Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Online, DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. The fight starts now. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. I don't think he's going to get up. On Talk Sport, the home of boxing. Welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport. It is your Saturday night home for boxing. We're on location this week as we attend the next-gen show in Liverpool. Not at the Echo or the MS Bank Arena, as it is now known, at the Exhibition Centre. This is uh, the first time I've actually been in here uh, since Darren Till held uh, an open workout for the UFC. People uh, are coming in thick and fast in order to see the main event tonight of Anthony Fowler against Brian Rose. There's a couple of other tasty little fights on the undercard as well, which we'll speak about. And you're going to hear from some of the biggest names in boxing, as we always aim to bring you here on TalkSport. Alongside me, the one and only Mr. Nick Pete, who has been sticking his microphones in all sorts of people's faces this week. You will hear a great interview that he did uh, with Eddie Hearn on the Dillian White situation, who, by the way, is in attendance in Liverpool tonight. He's not speaking to most, but I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Anyway, how are you, mate? You good? I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah, it should be a good night. There's loads in here. Usual Liverpool boxing fraternity are in here. All the Smith brothers are in here. I've just seen Stan Collymore floating about. So uh, there should be loads of you to get stuck into a little bit later on. But a decent card as well. You know, it was a massive night for Anthony Fowler. Lost his last fight against Scott Fitzgerald in Liverpool. Uh, big loss for him, of course. He was, you know, he'd been built up and touted to be a big star. That was a fight he was supposed to win. Got dropped in the 12th right in the final round. Got ultimately cost them the decision. So uh, tonight we were supposed to get Scott Fitzgerald against Brian Rose, the former world title contender in the main event. It was supposed to be in Manchester. Fitzgerald gets injured. Up steps Fowler. The show gets moved to Liverpool. So all the pressure's on Anthony Fowler in his own backyard. Talk to me about Liverpool and its boxing history in general. Uh, because as cities go, and I know this is going to, you're going to sound quite biased, obviously, being a scouser, but as a man that has worked in this city quite a lot, especially in the world of fight sports, it, it seems to me that there's more professional fighters coming out of this city than other, any other, bar London, of course. Yeah, that's true. And it's just because there's so many boxing clubs here and their history's got such a deep-rooted history in the sport. You know, it goes back an awful long time. Back to the Liverpool Stadium in the 1940s and 50s, a purpose-built stadium. The only one in the country that was purpose-built for boxing. 
Uh, but unfortunately, that was replaced a little bit later. But when the, when the second stadium was knocked down in the 80s, that's when Liverpool boxing really went into the dark ages. It took a backward step. We had big stars like John Conte, Paul Hodgkinson, and a bit, little bit later, Shane Neary. But we just didn't have a destination. We didn't have a venue, which is why the likes of Conte and Hodgkinson did all their work on the road. And Neary, to, to have him box in Liverpool, they had to build a tent at one stage in Stanley Park between Anfield and Goodison Park. We didn't have an arena. But the last... 10 years since the building of the Echo Arena, which is right next door to us here. We're in the exhibition centre tonight. Um, you know, since the building of that arena, Liverpool boxing's really been on the resurgence. But right through history, amateur boxing, if you look in for the last 20, 30 years, there's been more ABA champions from Liverpool than any other city, and I include London in that as well. So the amateur boxing has been phenomenal for years, but there was just never that next step, that platform for the pros to go on, build a home support and push on. But the last decade or so, as I say, British, Commonwealth, European, multiple world champions. The city's on the up, and it's a, it's a fight town. Mm. Um, regarding, um, obviously, the, the, the next generation of Liverpool talent coming through, because we've got a guy that hopefully we'll have on the show later on in Callum Smith, who is the current number one in the super middleweight division. We, we know about a lot of these professional guys coming through. Uh, but next year at 2020 at the at Tokyo, there's another young lad coming through as well in Peter McGrail that could be, would you tip him as the next star to come out of Liverpool? Absolutely. You know, the guy's the European champion, uh, world medalist. You know, he's basically won medals on every, in, every, uh, in every level of the amateur game, you know. So he'll definitely go to Tokyo next summer as one of uh, GB's big favourites for a medal. You know, I'd be really disappointed if he doesn't come back with a medal. But having spoken to Peter pretty recently, He's only got eyes for gold. He's going there for the gold medal. He's had so many offers to turn professional already. Uh, he's based at Everton Red Triangle, which is a pro-am gym, um, very much at the forefront. It was Liverpool's first ever pro-am gym, actually. So you've got world-class amateurs like Peter McGrail training alongside world-class uh, world pros and European champions and everything else that they've got there. So he's in the right place to make it all happen. He's just got to make sure that he's got to peak now in exactly 12 months' time, and that's the challenge that's ahead of him. Amateur success doesn't ever seem to be a problem for Scousers because we've got Fowler in action tonight. He's got medals galore from all different types of championships from the amateur game. Stephen Smith is one of those that won Commonwealth down in Australia. I remember that vividly, seeing him on the podium doing the business that night, and obviously pricey in the likes at Olympic Games and what have you. Uh, but professional success, was it a surprise for you that there was that massive gap, 23 years between world champions when Liam Smith finally had his hand raised as the WBO uh, champion at Super Welterweight. There was a 23-year gap uh, between Liverpool professional uh, champions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as I say, this was my patch. For, it's been my patch for 20 years, so I, I come right through all that stage before the arena was built. Shane Early was headline on ITV every other month. You know, he, he was a main attraction in the UK. But boxing wasn't in the position it's in now. Boxing wasn't generating the kind of money it was now. He was struggling to sell out. Um, you know, he, he was over in Belfast or he was down in Birmingham or whatever it may be. There was just no destination to him to fight in his hometown. We had the WB belt, belt at the time, at the time the WBU, even though it was a, a UK-based world governing body, it was pretty prominent and nearly was a world champion. Um, Derry Ma Matthews had one of those as well. Derry Matthews had one of those. Uh, uh, Ricky Hatton had one for a long time before he went on to be, win a legit world title belt and it was it was a solid grounding, but it, it wasn't until the, the Joe Calzaghe era, the Ricky Hatton era, that money came back into the sport, that Sky Sports got really back inside the sport again. 
and that's when the resurgence has come. And it was it's the generation behind that. It's the Paul Smiths and the Tony Bellews and the David Prices, who were amateur at the time, that benefited from that opportunity and have really put Liverpool boxing back in the forefront. Well, I was going to say that. I was going to move on to Bellew. Obviously, he's been on our show on many, many occasions. How big of a figure is Tony Bellew for Scouse Boxing and what he achieved with the latter half of his career? I mean, the first part of it, not a, not a lot of people will have followed it, but from the moment that he became world champion at Goodison Park to the David Hare fights, he seems to have really created a second wave, a new wave of uh, interest in, in fight sports in the city. Obviously, your first sport is always going to be football with a city like Liverpool, but fight sports is a very, very close second, and it's because of people like Bellew. Absolutely, you know, and Bellew did, you know, Bellew picking up that WBC belt, you know, he followed in the footsteps of uh, Paul Hodgkinson. Um, what, what he did is he, he absolutely galvanised the whole city, and unlike, unlike John Conte, of course, he won WBC as well, and John Conte, you know, as most veterans, anybody over the age of 50 will tell you, John, uh, John Conte was the greatest Liverpool boxer of all time, but that's just because it was their generation, but John Conte was based in London. All his fights were in London, all his fights were overseas. He actually only came to Liverpool once for a defence was WBC. It was at Liverpool Stadium. It was against Len Hutchins in 1977. And it's most people over the age of 50's greatest moment in the history of Liverpool boxing. But this generation, the sub-40 generation, our greatest moment was Tony Bellew at Goodison Park. And that was so much bigger. It was such a bigger venue. So much more attention, obviously. So much more money and so much more eyeballs on the sport. The fact that Bellew's always lived in Liverpool. He never left the city. He still drives these streets and walks these streets. He still stands on the Gladys Street at Goodison Park every other week. He's part of this city. And, he, you know, John Conte never moved back home. So that affection for Bellew will always be there. In my mind, he's the greatest Liverpool boxer of all time. As I say, I'm sub-50, so I'm allowed to say that. But what he's done is he's, he's brought the entire city together in that you can see that there's a, there's a way out in boxing as well. He's a working-class lad. For most working-class people in this city that aren't good at education, it's either football or boxing. And Bellew has proved that now, unlike boxers like Shane Neary or Paul Hodgkinson or Peter Coleshaw, who end up driving taxis or running pubs, Boxing can now give you the kind of lifestyle that only footballers can dream of and Bellew's proved it can be done. Mm. The, ten the talent in this city, without any shadow of a doubt, is, uh, is absolutely right at this moment in time. It's only growing on tonight's card. As you mentioned, there's a couple of young boys coming through that a lot of people might not necessarily have heard of too much about. They've most certainly heard of uh, Anthony Fowler. It's going to be interesting to see how he reacts to his first professional defeat in such a high-profile grudge match. Local boys going at it. Two lads that were Team GB colleagues and, and teammates he came up short that night only just but Twitter and social media is a horrible world at times isn't it and they kind of make it out that he was absolutely smashed to pieces on the night against Scott Fitzgerald he wasn't he, he missed out narrowly but even so a loss is a loss it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back tonight yeah absolutely you know it's a big opportunity for him he said he didn't want to take a step backwards he said he didn't want to go back down to six or eight rounders he wanted to stay in main events he wanted to stay in big fights and he's fighting a former world title contender. Now, let's not forget, Brian Rose was brought in to face Scott Fitzgerald as the next step after beating Fowler. Scott Fitzgerald misses out because of injury. So Fowler, in effect, hasn't taken a backward step. He's, it's as if he beats Scott Fitzgerald because the same opportunity would have been afforded to him. So in be if he can beat Brian Rose tonight, he kind of replaces Scott Fitzgerald in that step forward. He gets himself a good world ranking and suddenly the Scott Fitzgerald defeat. And it was, it was down to the last round. He got dropped in the last round and that changed the judges' scorecards. If he can get a win tonight, then Anthony Fowler's right back where he wanted to be before the Scott Fitzgerald defeat. And it's, it's in his rear view mirror.
Now, obviously, people listening to this show might be thinking to themselves, well, we're going a bit scouse-heavy tonight. It's because we're on location. We are at the Exhibition Centre tonight for the next-gen card, uh, which you are listening to now on TalkSport. But we know that the biggest story of the week is obviously what's been going on with Dillian White, British Boxing Board of Control, UCAD, VADA. I could come up with so many acronyms for you tonight to blow your mind. We are going to speak about it because Nick has been catching up uh, with Eddie Hearn. He uh, spoke to him at the uh, press conference this week and asked him all the big questions regarding the Dillian White situation. You're going to hear that over the next half an hour or so, and then hopefully we'll catch up with Eddie to talk other things other than Dillian White because he does run uh, some other fighters' lives as well, one in particular heavyweight called Anthony Joshua, and we'll hopefully get an update on that. So do stick with us. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Hope you're well. We're on location this week. We're in Liverpool at the Next Gen Card at the Exhibition Centre. Uh, my colleague, Nick Pete has been asking all the difficult questions to Eddie Hearn because it's been quite a quiet week for him in the world of boxing. He caught up with him at the press conference for this show and this is what he had to say. Quiet week for you in the world of boxing? Oh, very quiet, yeah. Oh, never a dull moment. Um, no, last week weren't the best. To be honest, the week before weren't the best either, really. Um, but, you know, obviously... As I've said in the whole process of this, I feel particularly that we followed all the rules, all the process, um, and, and on Dillian White, you know, protocol was followed. He had a hearing. He was cleared at that hearing. And now, really, he's got to convince everybody else. He's clear to box now. You know, not just on that night. He could box on Saturday if he wants in Liverpool. But he has to make sure that everything he's done properly now with his legal team, and I keep getting told off for even opening my mouth, but this has to come out with all the facts, and he has to prove his innocence. Because as far as I'm concerned, everyone just presumes he's guilty anyway. Yeah. The, the facts, the confidential facts between the two parties until the case comes out, is that no one really knows all the facts. But what I keep saying to people is just understand that a hearing was had with an independent panel where he was cleared to box. Ask yourself why he was cleared. Perhaps that there's a very good chance that they saw the evidence that meant that he was innocent. So rest on that till you get all the news and then you can judge. Do we have a timeline at the moment when, when no, the statement's going to be made or no, the legal team are going to come I, I don't even think it's a statement. I think it's, you know, he can't, Dillian White can't come out of a statement and you go, oh, well, that's all right then. You know, it has to come out from the official bodies. And this whole process is not some process, some sham process that was put together by me and Dillian White's corner team. This is a government agency in UCAD. This is the NAPD, the National Anti-Doping Panel. This is the British Boxing Board of Control. So that process has to be followed now, but he wants all the information to come out as soon as possible. Um, there is huge confidentiality of that process until such time where you will get the news. We want that news ASAP because this is so detrimental to his career. If he's found to be innocent, completely innocent, which right now, like you can't say he's not because he's not suspended, he's not banned, then great. If he's found to be guilty and if he has done something wrong, which in my heart of hearts I don't believe so, then he should be banned from the sport. Anybody that cheats in the sport of boxing should be. The way that Dillian White constantly harasses me and pays for additional testing for every fight makes me believe something's not right here. But this will all come out in a wash. 
it's part of the delay that we're waiting for the B sample to be tested. Not really. No, I don't think that the B. I don't. I mean, in my experience, you probably know as much as me. I don't think the B sample really differs from the A sample. There was an adverse finding that needs to be looked into. That has been looked into at a hearing with loads of information and evidence from VADA, which is a testing agency that tested him throughout the camp for 12 weeks. So that's a bit of a saving grace for him to show levels you know, of, of his systems and stuff like that to prove that he hasn't been cheating. So I don't know the situation because since the fight, everything is dealt with by Dillian White and his team in the border control. My obligation was, should both fighters be completely clear, no one be suspended, be approved to box by the British Boxing Border Control, that fight takes place. So from there, now he's dealing with it with his team because his career, I say it's in tatters, but like I've seen the stuff and there is no real regard for the fact of, oh, maybe he's innocent. But I keep asking you to ask yourself, why do you think at a hearing he was cleared to fight after he provided evidence? So let that evidence be known and let there be an official ruling where you can make the judgment as to what really happened. Wasn't it a bit unorthodox to do a hearing on the Saturday morning, day of no, the fight? No, not, not, not when... That's happened before. No, not when you get the fight? news on Thursday night. Yeah. <laughs> when, when do you think the hearing's going to take well, place? Usually it would be suspension, the hearing will be at a no, later but, date. But that's, a board but, meeting no, or? it depends on what the suspension's for. See, no one knows yeah. the truths. So you don't... You have a, an opportunity to have a hearing to lift that suspension or query or whatever it is. And UCAD allowed him that hearing again a lot of this is like some conspiracy theory oh wow there was a hearing on the Saturday because we found out Thursday night we requested a hearing and all the evidence be heard that was the date that the hearing was given so and and to be honest with you going into that hearing I was thinking in my mind we're going to pull this fight most likely I had a statement ready to go and if he wouldn't have been cleared if the board wouldn't have licensed him the fight wouldn't have take place but when they did all of that, there was no question. I have a contract with both fighters mm-hmm. where I have, I mean, legally, I can't not put the fight on, but not even passing the buck. There's no reason to not put the fight on when a guy is cleared by the governing body and the doping governing body. In hindsight, with the whole hailstorm that comes with it, do you personally regret not informing Rivas' team and the can't. WBC? I can't. One, it's completely confidential. I break confidentiality. I've, I've broken the rules. You've not got a duty of care, though? No, no, because at the end of the day, once a fighter is cleared, I don't really... I mean, you can't go up to a fighter on Saturday morning and go, just to let you know, Dillian White uh, was requested more information on a drug test, but don't worry, it's all fine now. In hindsight, I don't know. I mean, I spoke to um, Oscar Rivers' promoter about this last night because I wanted him to know that we followed the absolute book on everything. So the British Boxing Board of Control are bound by confidentiality in UCAD situations. So am I. I'm only talking now because things have come out that I need to put right and tell people as much as we know. So I don't believe the... I understand the argument. I'll give you that. But at the end of the day, once a fighter is cleared, there isn't really anything to tell him. He's cleared for reasons. And I'm not a specialist. I'm not a scientist. These people are. So if they're clearing him, he's got grounds to be cleared. So should But he's you, also got grounds surely to be told there's an issue. This is not the issue, but the issue is cleared. The issue is cleared. If there's if if there was any kind of issue where they felt that he shouldn't be in the ring, they wouldn't have let him box. But who am I, someone who knows absolutely nothing about this situation, to tell you that I don't know, there's an issue or a danger. That issue was dealt with. 
by the governing body. These people, you, I mean, I've seen some of your tweets and stuff like that. Like, I understand your comments, but you have to understand, these people are the experts. They're the governing body. They cleared him to fight. There's nothing really to tell you other than there was an issue with his drug test that was cleared by the governing body to allow the fight to go. What, why was that cleared? Because evidence was provided, mainly from his VADA tests, to show that whatever they found was not an issue in this fight. So from there, so, I mean, even psychologically, I know you, you know, it hasn't been a great week for the sport in other areas as well, so it puts even more focus on. Yeah. But to mentally say to a fighter even, oh, by the way, and by the way, you tell that fighter that, they break the confidentiality, because Dylan White wins and he's totally innocent. And then he comes out and says, well, I was told he had a problem with his drug test. You can't win either way. Yeah. Contractually, I couldn't have, like some, I've got another question today. Could you have stopped the fight? No. I'm not unless I want to get sued. Oscar Rivas made a fortune for that fight. He wouldn't, you know, he would have even sued me. At least yeah. he would have found that in that situation. But I can't turn around with a contract to both fighters who once they're cleared by the governing body to take part, that fight's on. So, you know, if there was a situation where oh, it was brushed under the carpet and it was just, we'll have the hearing next week. Don't worry about it for now. I fully understand. But I think people are completely missing the point of an independent panel cleared him. Ask yourself why they cleared him. I don't, I mean, I can't even give you the answer. All I know is that evidence was collected from the VADA test, from all the tests, from labs, from everything. And it was presented to the NAPD and they cleared him to fight. Is Ask the, yourself why. Is there somewhere then that there's a systematic failure Probably, between yeah, the border yeah. control, UKAD? Well, no, I think there's many different levels that are wrong. Let, let's look at VADA, right? VADA are probably renowned to be the best testing agency and system in the world. The last, I don't know, half a dozen fights, Dillian White has paid 30000 himself for 12 weeks out to just constantly test himself weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, by this agency. The issue with VADA is they don't impact, impose bans or suspensions. The good thing about VADA is they tell the inner community who have signed up to the testing. So they tell me, they tell the WBC, they tell the commission, they tell both fighters' camps. The good news about UCAD is they do impose bans and suspensions and can do that. The bad news is it's confidential. right? So if it wasn't confidential, if this was a VADA test everybody would have known about it within the teams. The downside of that is the board don't even recognise VADA, right? So you could have been in a situation where VADA come and say, oh, uh, got an issue with this drug test. The board say, well, well we're with UCAD. So, so you what know, was the point of Dillian signing up to VADA then? Because just for the bigger picture and to stop people from cheating. He, doesn't, he didn't want to go into a fight fighting you've you got to understand when this fight was made with Oscar Rivas the first thing Dillian White did was phone me out and say has he signed up to Vada testing right here's my forms make sure he does as well chase Oscar Rivas chase Oscar Rivas eventually he signs up as well bang Vada test is starting so it's difficult for me to not presume he's innocent when I see this day in and day out the guy comes to press conferences he wears gloves he won't touch anything he's paranoid right but he's still got to answer the questions as to why there was an issue. Yeah. You know, you can't just say, I do VADA testing, therefore I'm innocent. You've got to prove it to people, especially now. So when you look at the systems, there's systematic failures on so many different levels. I say I feel sorry for the border control, but under the border control rules, they have to act alongside UCAD. If you sign up to UCAD's rules, you can't so suddenly say, oh no, actually, 
he shouldn't be cleared of that hearing. Again, who are the board to digest evidence of samples, science, all this stuff? That's why we have a governing body called UCAD who deal with those issues. So with the British Boxing Board of Control, if he's cleared by UCAD, the board don't really have a choice but to clear him. They can't really overrule a situation where the experts have said it's okay. So, and I think in terms of the time frame for the hearings and stuff like that, the whole thing was just madness. This was a test that was a month ago. This is another issue that I think needs to be addressed. So, he took a test and it came out a month later. That seems like a month to give the results. Exactly. That seems like a long time to me. You know, VADA is a much shorter period. But really, if you're testing someone, you want those that like. If this came on Monday. We could have dealt with it on Tuesday or Wednesday, and it wouldn't have looked the same way. Yeah. But the fact is, we got it on Thursday. We were asked what we do in this situation. UCAD said, you won't be allowed to fight. If you ever hear him, and you provide the evidence, and the board decides that you're good to fire, then you can do that. Okay, well, we have to do that then. Get all the evidence, go and get it done. I know no one feels sorry for Dillian White in this situation, but he knew on Thursday night. He didn't sleep till Sunday. Like, his whole career is just, in, you know, uh, fair to say, in tatters, Yeah. you know? So how he even won the fight, I don't even know. But no one's really going to particularly feel sorry for him at the moment until he 100% clears his name. Do you and believe he'll what, do that? Do believe I, do, yeah. I do, I do, I do, I do. Because you're someone that's been very outspoken about yeah. drug cheats in the past. 100%, and, and my, my position doesn't change. Anyone that knowingly cheats in the sport of boxing should be banned for life. 100%. But, but Eddie, today you announced Huey Fury against Povetkin. Mm-hmm. That's the third fight you've done with Povetkin. He's been done twice. Well, but Povetkin also, you look at an issue. He was mandatory for the WBA title. That's why I've done a fight with him. I had no choice other than lose the title belts. This is a guy who has served his time, come out. I mean, even there's, there's been a lot of queries around a lot of fighters. Huey Fury. Tyson Fury failed a drugs test. Um, Kid Galahad. Billy Joe Saunders. You know, it's not unusual. You have to ask yourself sometimes, in situations, particularly with the, the latters that I mentioned, do you believe they cheated? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There is a massive problem with people uneducated in the supplements they're taking. Some are unlucky, some are contaminated, and some are just cold, right, downright cheating. And I look at Jarrell Miller, yep. as a good example of that. Jarrell Miller texted me and said, oh, I see you're back in Dillian White. I'm saying, mate, if you knew the facts of this case compared to your case... You failed three drug tests for three separate supplements. Yeah. Some of those were injected. Including EPL. Exactly. It's got to be injected. Right. So, come on. Like, that's a situation. I have a major problem with that. But, you know, maybe I'm naive with a lot of these people. And a lot of people are good people. And I believe them. And I believe Dillian White. Maybe I'll be proved to be a fool. But I know, having seen everything that I've seen, having seen his setup at Loughborough, having seen what he does in terms of his absolute necessity that desire for VADA testing and looking at the evidence that I saw, that the panel saw, right, when they had their hearing, I believe he's innocent and I believe he will be proved so. I just want to make sure that when he is, people go, fair dues, fair cop. But that's why right now he can't comment because he's got to get it right. If he don't get this right, his career's over. Don't call it a comeback. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. We're in Liverpool this week for the next gen card at the Exhibition Centre. Hope you're well. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you've only just joined us, you missed the first part of uh, our conversation with Eddie Hearn on the whole Dillian White situation. 
Don't worry, the whole show will be available as a podcast. Uh, but let's get stuck into the second part as Nick Pete caught up with him earlier this week at the press conference. Just one last point. You said you spoke to Rivas's team mm-hmm. just last night. Mm-hmm. Did they mention anything about the allegation about the the, the gloves? They checked Dillian's no, the, the, gloves. The, the they gloves. said he was wearing yeah. different gloves so on the night, and then he was. they never got to check the gloves after the fight. They said as well. Well, that's you don't. The British Boxing Board of Control don't provide the gloves to the other team. This is exactly what happened. Dillian White, uh, one of his team members, put the gloves on at the rules meeting. Dillian wasn't there. He got to the change room, and obviously everyone's hands different. There was a problem with one of the thumbs. So he said, I want to use another pair of gloves. The British Boxing Board of Control and the WBC, Bob Logist, inspected those gloves and said, we're okay for you to wear them. The issue was that the other team didn't get a chance to see the gloves. But the British Boxing Board of Control did, and so did the WBC. I agree, in an ideal world, the other team should have been allowed to see the gloves. At the board, at the rules meeting, you would just normally pick them up and go, yeah, they're all right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so they didn't do that at all? Did they no. approve a previous pair, but not the... They, they approved no, a pair that somebody else wore? The team don't approve, approve anything. The Border Control and the WBC approved the gloves. So they eventually approved these gloves, but these weren't the gloves that were approved in a board meeting. It's happened before. I've had it with situations with fighters where they just can't get their hand in a glove, yeah. and you have to approve another glove. Generally, you do that if, it, if the glove was cleared by the board and the WBC. So the board would have looked at these gloves that Dillian had, inspected them, and said they're okay. So I just think that because of the other issue, it's like, oh, this is just one thing after the other. To be honest, it's not unusual for a commission and a governing body like the WBC to look at a glove, clear it, and approve it. That's what they did. The issue is is that Rivas' team didn't, didn't see the glove. So they go into the ring and think, hold on, that wasn't the glove that was at the ball meet, uh, at the rules meeting. But what it was, was, again, anyone knows boxing, you have a guy in your changing room from the board of control of the whole time. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to just sort of sneak a pair out. They give you the glove. This was going on backstage for 45 minutes. You know. And by the way, Rivas's team were offered to wear the same gloves. So you know, what it was said was, because now they're on Dylan White's hands. They've been approved by the board. They've been approved by the WBC. Uh, do you want to wear the same gloves, Rivas? If you can, you can wear these as well. No, I'm wearing my rivals. Okay. But again, a lot of people make it sound like he just like, got these bags out of the glove and just uh, got these gloves out of a bag and just slipped them on and walked to the ring. No, the board approved it. The WBC approved it. I do agree that Rivas's team should have been allowed to see the gloves, but they knew there was a problem because they were there in the conversations and they knew he was wearing this new glove that was approved by the board but they didn't get a chance to inspect it which is not unusual but I do agree in an ideal world I would like to have seen it if it, if it was me on the other foot I would have probably gone in and just had a look at the glove And but again you have to trust the governing body the commission and the WBC these are good boxing people they're not going to allow but it's hard but, for Team Rivas now in the aftermath of what's happened with hmm. the other issue to suddenly go oh it's okay we trust the board of control yeah yeah I guess I guess I guess but then you know we all work in commissions I mean I've worked in a dozen commissions in America and I'm not naming any names but the British Boxing Board of Control are on another level to some of these commissions another level yeah. I mean when we talk about tragedies in the sport when we talk about drug testing who's getting tested in America like not passing the buck but let you know let's look at that these fights that are taking place where people are getting injured and sometimes losing their life was their testing program no 
Was there oxygen at ringside? No. Did you see the guy, you know, the, the, the fatalities who, who passed out, get oxygen applied to them like you would in a British ring? No. So no one's perfect. And every now and again, something happens. And, and you know, in, in the situation of the ball, sometimes when, when you're backstage and the fight's happening in half an hour, I'm sitting down and someone will cut to me and say, there's a problem with the gloves. So I go, what's the problem? He says, he's tried the ones on from the rules mate and he can't get his hand in them. Okay, well then get, get Yvonne Michel, get the board together and find a resolution. The resolution is he wants to wear these gloves, we've cleared them. Oh, well we haven't seen them. Well, we've cleared them. So we've inspected them and I think sometimes, again, I feel, I feel a bit for the board because I know one, how much they care, two, how they operate and three, their professionalism. We're not in like, let's say Germany because they've got a bad reputation, but you know, there are commissions that you go in that they make you do a drug test in a plastic cup and then they take it out and go, yeah, we'll seal it out. I mean, I wouldn't even let a fighter do that, you know? Of course. So they're, they're extremely professional. They can't get everything right and it's, it's difficult. But, you know, I spoke to Rivas' team last night because I just wanted to speak to Yvonne Michel about the process that followed. Are they, are and they I, taking legal advice at the moment? No, not at all. Well, not, not at the moment. Certainly not against us because we followed the exact rules. Or well, potentially against UKAD and the British Boxing Board of Control. I think they've, fo- they've followed their rules as well. I don't, you know, I don't see anything. Whether you agree with the process is something different. But they didn't break a rule. They followed their strict process. Whether you agree with that process or not is down to you, and that's arguable. But I just said to Yvonne, like, if I came to you on Saturday morning, which maybe in hindsight, you know, it's easy to say now, and I said, just to let you know, Dillian White had an issue with one of his tests. He's produced all his VADA results. He's had a hearing before a panel, and he's been 100% cleared. I don't even think Yvonne Michelle would have told Oscar Rivas because it's not even... One, mentally, you wouldn't want to say that. I know, like, people, oh, but surely she deserves to know. You wouldn't, if there wasn't a problem or an issue, you wouldn't really want to affect the fighter's mind anyway. But once he's heard there's no issue, there's nothing really to say. It's only now when you look at it and yeah, say, it's yeah, that no. It's see though, isn't it? If you were over there and the fight was the other way around and Dillian was travelling no, to fight no, Rivas no, on home turf, no, you'd have wanted him to tell you. Not, to be honest with you, a lot of the stuff when there's clearance on it, there's, I'm sure there's loads of stuff that have taken place, whether it be uh, drug testing related, whether it be injury related, whether it be glove related, that you don't get to find out. That's why you have a commission. That's why you have a governing body. It's their responsibility to clear a fighter. Once they clear a fighter, as far as I'm concerned, that's good to go. There's a reason they've been cleared. So if there was an issue, that issue's solved. Yeah? There's, no, there's no issue anymore. It's cleared. So I ain't got to tell you about an issue because it's been cleared by a governing body and a panel of experts. I asked me, well, what was it? I don't know. I'm just telling you, the scientists have looked at it, the panel's looked at it, and there's no issue any longer. Nothing to tell you. But now he's got to be in a position where he's got to come out. Now it's not about Rivas, it's about the public. Yeah. Can Dillian White ever get back to the position he was in last week? Yeah, but ask yourself, if UK had come out and say, we've looked into it and blah, 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 there's absolutely no sanction. This is what happened, and Dylan White's good to go. What's the mindset of the fan? Oh no, you're still a cheat, really? Well, what? Now I'm innocent. And I keep saying to people, ask yourself why he was cleared. Do you not think that maybe he provided some evidence in that hearing to prove his innocence? He must have. 
He must have. Yeah. They wouldn't take a chance otherwise. No, but there is a history of UK ED pulling back and pr- from prosecuting people from the threat of going under financially. No, but it's still, happened in the yeah, past. But so. they, can't, they can't allow a fighter to go into a fight believing they have cheated or believe they have, they have you know, been on a doping site or whatever it was. So there must be grounds. It's not a case of, oh, oh we don't want to uh, lose any money or get sued. No, there's grounds, right? So what are those grounds? They'll come out. But at least understand that surely he's got a case of innocence if he's been cleared already. But it doesn't really seem to operate like that in this world. I'm different. I know Dillian White inside out. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't believe... I believe he's innocent. But time will definitely tell because it will all come out in the wash and then the public will be able to judge. And if he is cleared and if if he is innocent, which I believe that will come out, I hope the public go... Fair enough. Let him get on with his life. Yeah. It's been your worst week in boxing? Mm, probably Audley Harrison fight was worse. But to be honest with you, like if this was five or six years ago, I w- I'm not even sure I would have recovered. Yeah. But you become like this robot where it's bad news after bad news after bad news. So, And, and honestly, like I did an interview with Coogan today where I said, he said, when you finished the fight, was you worried that this might come out? I was like, No. But I never woke up Sunday morning going, ooh, I hope this don't get come out, because there's nothing to say. He had a query, he had a hearing, he got cleared. From my point of view, as the promoter, my conscience is one million percent clear. So, is there an issue now? Yeah, the issue now is proving his innocence, more than anything. So, it was pretty horrendous. I mean, I was on a plane, and, and the worst thing is, is some of the articles were incorrect. That was the worst thing. And all these guys got written to by Dillian's legal team. To I mean, there was one, Matrim took an injunction out. Absolute rubbish. Rubbish. Some of the things, three, three substances or two substances, rubbish. Right? So you had to deal with those. But the problem is people take that and confirm it as a fact. Look at the WBC. Ask yourself this. If Dillian Wyatt is not suspended and he's cleared to box by the British Boxing Board of Control, if Dillian White is not suspended and cleared to box by UK anti-doping, Dillian White could fight on this on Friday, right? How can the WBC suspend him? On what facts? Some articles that they've read. Well, that's it. I mean, they've made a press release, really, following articles that have been written about Dillian White, some of which are true, some of which are not true. But surely, who do you recognise WBC as your official testing agency? VADA. Right? Vada come out and say, Dillian White has tested with us solidly for four years. He has never failed a test. He has tested the whole Rivas fight probably six or seven times during his camp, past everyone. Yet you want to just suspend him, but no one else has suspended him other than you. That don't sit well with me in the WBC. No. It's innocent until proven guilty. I agree, and I think that's the issue. WBC, what they should have said we, is... We always question... Yeah, but what they should have anyway. said is, they should have said, OK... We're going to look into this, and if he is found to be guilty or if he is found to be suspended by UCAD or the board, he will lose his mandatory position. Not, we're suspending him, but we'll look into it and see if it's true or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a terrible situation for everybody. Everybody, you know. And again, the worst thing is, like I said, when you are so insistent on a testing programme like Dillian White, that's the last person you'd expect to have an irregular sample. So, I don't know. Uh, 
time will tell. But my only hope, like I say, is if he comes out and it's proved he's completely innocent, I hope he gets the respect he deserves. Interesting stuff. Do stick with us because we're going to try and catch up with Eddie again in a moment or two uh, on everything else that's going on in the world of boxing because there's more uh, to this game than just the saga around Dillian White. Don't go anywhere. Listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Delighted to be joined by Eddie Hearn. How are you, sir? You well? I'm doing good, yeah. I'm well. I've sort of ridden the storm over the last couple of weeks. Well, we've just been, um, here, we've just been here on the show. Obviously, you spoke to Nick this week. Thank you very much for that. And obviously, all, right. all the answers I'll, that you gave I'll, us. I'll keep getting told off because you know, I'm not supposed to say anything. But Nick was, like, grilling me. And I, I, I'm very passionate about it. And I've got my opinion about it. And I know Dillian White very well. And I feel very strongly about the situation. There's a lot more I want to say. But... Every time I do interviews, I get a phone call saying, you know that like, we've got a case here to, to yeah. close and finalise and, and ultimately all leading towards clearing Dillian White's name, which is the only thing that matters at the moment because every day that passes, you know, I mean, luckily, I say luckily because, you know, deservedly, all the VADA information came out yesterday, which was great. Multitudes of tests, I don't know, six, seven tests over the eight, nine week period. Mm all came back negative, which was important in the overall picture. So, still for him... Do you have a timescale? Just for fans, do you have a timescale really of when don't. we would I know? Adam, I, really, I, I have nothing to do with it at all. It's completely now between the fighter, the licensed fighter, yeah. and UCAD. Obviously, the British Boxing Board of Control being made aware of what's happening. From our side, tomorrow, please. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's... every Like I say, every day that passes for Dillian White is another day of frustration where people are saying, oh, when's this, when's this, when's this... So since the fight, I've not had anything to do with this at all because my obligation is to fight. Him and his management team and his you know, advisors will deal with this situation. From their point of view, I know they want to deal with it as soon as possible. He's here tonight. Yeah, he seemed, he seemed in good spirits earlier on. Obviously, he I can't he, speak, but you know. He's comfortable in his position because I think like mentally he knows himself. He knows, I mean, he will know the truth and that truth will come out. Um, he wants to clear it up and deal with it as soon as possible but he also reverts back to probably what people are bored of me saying which is he was cleared to fight why do you think they cleared him so let the full case close if you like and hopefully as soon as possible his name will be cleared and that's what we want because he's got a career to get on but it has been so detrimental to his career you know if he comes out now and his innocence is completely proven you know, it's not really fair. No, not at all. Like, it know, but again, you guys, the public, will be the judge of that once you hear all the facts and once that final decision is confirmed in terms of his innocence. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about some other stuff that's going on in the world of boxing. When are you signing Billy Joe Saunders? Oh, I saw that news today. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, look, I think there'll be many people in the running to sign Billy Joe You've Saunders. You've got some good middleweights and super middleweights that he would love to fight. Yes, that's a good, that's a good point. So, <laughs> Billy, if you're listening, let's talk. But... I think that, um, like I said, from our point of view, you know, when you look at the Matrim, Sky Sports, the zone landscape, Canelo, Golovkin, Jacobs, Andrade, uh, Callum Smith, um, you know. You've got, got a few there. Yeah, you we know have. What I mean? and, and even up at light heavyweight, you know, maybe if he wants to go up there and fight Dimitri Bivol as well. But I think with Billy, he's got the ability to fluctuate between 160 and 168. I don't actually think he, he made the move to 68 necessarily physically I no. think an opportunity arose to fight for a world title so he went up there so 
I'm sure that Top Rank would love to sign him. I'm sure that Al Heyman would love to sign him. I'm sure that Golden Boy would love to sign him. And we would love to sign him as well. So um, that'll be an objective of the next... Surprised by that news? Are you surprised? Uh, to see him today? Not, he's been with Frank so long? Yeah, not really. I, I think that you know, I mean, without knowing all the details, I think it wouldn't take a Einstein to see that they've struggled with him over the last few years. And it's not easy, you know. If you haven't got the opponents in your stable, it's very difficult. You know, we had the same thing. I remember when Kel was at 147 and beat Sean Porter. Mm. A lot of the guys were the PBC, so we lined up a unification with Vargas and those kind of fights. But it was hard to get like, you know. Pacquiao or at yeah. the time can't remember who was champion Thurman and these guys. It's kind a of similar guys. situation and to think, now isn't it really? Yeah but Frank had no op- you know, Frank, Frank was couldn't get him any paydays because yeah. he wasn't capable of making the big fights not because he ain't got the ability to just because it's different networks it's different promotional companies and sometimes in certain weight divisions that happens so I think Billy has probably looked at it and said right this is the moment in my career mm. where I'm in my absolute peak and prime I need to. I need to make sure I get my career-defining fights, and I can't do that where I am. Mm. Um, a word on AJ. What's the latest regarding a the date there? Um, I'm pretty sure in my mind I know where that fight is now. Um, I'm waiting on some paperwork, which will come in this weekend or Monday, and then we'll make an announcement shortly after. Because uh, Mr. Ruiz, I think he got confused yeah, with. No, he said it's not in England. I said, no, you're right. Wales is not in England. <laughs> but look, I think that there, there's obviously there's been a lot of discussions with his team. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. aware of the other venues that we're looking at outside of England, Wales, or anywhere in Great Britain. And he definitely doesn't want to come to England or Wales. Yeah. But unfortunately for him, we will decide on where that venue is. There is a good chance at the moment that there could be a bit of a wild card. But again, in terms of tying up paperwork, that's what's going on at the moment to see what's real, what's not real, yeah. what's possible, what's not possible. So I think his interview with Joe Rogan was more of a, oh, hopefully it's not in the UK. But if, if I'm AJ, I also watch that interview and go, right, I'll do it in the UK then. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, the Dillian White stuff, all that, people use that kind of stuff, the glove stuff. Oh, you know, God, Britain's, oh, it's dodgy. Let me tell you something now. The British Boxing Border Control, probably the best commission I've ever worked with. I've worked, you know, New York, very, very good. I've worked in Kansas. I've worked in California. I did Texas last week. I did Washington the other week. I mean, I've done everywhere. Italy, Spain. They are so bang on in terms of protecting fighters. Everyone has problems. Everyone has an issue they deal with and try and deal with in their own way. But people will use that as a scapegoat now. Oh, I'm not going to England. Oh, no, no, no. So we'll have to see if AJ chooses to go to England. But it is definitely the mindset that if we don't go to England, it's going to be a lot easier to deal with this guy. Yeah. And I don't think AJ wants him moaning and, and sobbing about the location. Mm. So that's why one of the reasons was, you know, America originally. It won't be America. That, that we know. But it could be outside of the UK. But we have to see what's real and what's not real. I just want to get you involved in a little argument we're having with our producer at this moment in time. Matt, who you work with and you know him well. He has decided to go to a wedding on August the 31st and well, not who does that I've no idea mate it's not even his wedding August 31st has turned into like it's quite funny talking to Adam Smith just now and when we decided for Lomachenko Canberra I was like look this fight is costing me a lot of money right so obviously it's got to go on pay per view but I think it's massive and Sky like yeah but you know I mean like we know Lomachenko's a legend but is the audience big enough to know he's a legend obviously we've got to educate them Anyway, go on sale, 16,000 tickets, Bosch. Then we had Fury Povetkin. Yeah. Then we had Edwards against Martinez, really good world title fight. Joe Caldina, more coming, Boatsy. 
it's, it's gone mad. Like we've got about 400 tickets left. Sky are saying like our digital views on stories about the August 31st show is gone through the absolute roof. Yeah, but so now I'm walking around going, I told you so. Why do you even <laughs> doubt me? You know? So I'm, I'm hoping that the money that we're paying for this fight is worthwhile. And I'm also hoping, and I know it's a really tough fight for Luke Campbell, blah, 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 but he's firing on all cylinders. Yeah. He's so up for this. He really is. And I think he feels no pressure because everyone, oh, you know, Lomachenko goes this, Lomachenko goes that. Well, hopefully Matt has heard that and maybe he cancels his plans for, no, the, for, for his little way. It's outrageous. In fact, he should speak to his missus because if she really loves him, she will change the date of the wedding. It's only fair. Yeah, That's yeah. what I wanted to hear. Absolutely superb. Just regarding it, are you planning on adding even more to August 31st or are you happy with where it's at at this moment in time? Because it is stellar. Oh, yeah, yeah, there will be. I mean, Joshua Boatsy will be on the card. I don't think I've said that before. And another title fight as well. It's massive. It's kind of like, I get so much stick online, but on this show and on the undercard, I'm actually looking at my Twitter replies like, Eddie, you legend. And I'm like, it's egging me on to add more. And like the accounts department are going, no more, no more fights. I'm like, no, no, they're loving me again. They're loving me again. I'm, I'm getting another cheers. fight. Yeah, yeah. everyone wants to go. Yeah, because they, I think they just want to watch Lomachenko. You yeah. know. Regarding uh, Callum, because we've been speaking to him yeah. on the show a little bit later on. Um, it's September 21st in Stone. He's definitely going to be fighting Not in Liverpool. Not in Stone, but that's a date we're looking at now um, for Liverpool. I want to bring him home. You know, same kind of problem yeah. financially, where Callum Smith's the number one super middleweight in the world. He wants paying. We're not putting it on pay-per-view. So, but I'd love him to have a homecoming in Liverpool as a world champion. I think it would be, you know, it's the right thing to do. So we're trying to make that happen. Fair enough. He's he's one of the guys, you know, he's number one in the rankings right now. He has been offered the Chris Eubank Jr. fight for good money, which we're negotiating at the moment. So I think this weekend we need to pull the trigger on September 21st. Finally, Chisora Parker, yes or no? Working on it. Okay. Really 100 percent want to make it happen. It's the fight for both guys. Absolute war. Uh, both guys, game is a bagel, and I think we'll get it done. Game is a big. I know what I've it means. I've heard it all my life. <laughs> Must be a true saying. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated, mate. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Plenty more to come. Hopefully that clears a few things up for you. This is it. The time has come. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. And down. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. You're better than that. On TalkSport, the home of boxing. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Hope you're well. Um, we're on location this week. We're in Liverpool at the next gen card, which is sensational. Uh, and we are bringing you some of the very biggest names in the world of boxing. This will be available as a podcast, by the way. If you wish to download it, just look for Fight Night from TalkSport on iTunes. You can go to the TalkSport website, fight, uh, talksport.com slash Fight Night. That's what you're looking for. Uh, we're now joined uh, by Robert Smith, the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control. How has your week been, sir? I've had better. I can imagine. Um, regarding, obviously, the way that this is all playing out in the media, the way that this is playing out and people are obviously giving their opinion without necessarily having all of the facts at this moment in time, are you finding it a little bit disheartening? It's frustrating. Um, you know, we are signed up to UCAD, which is part of WADA, and we are bound by those rules. We have been for, I don't know, the last 10 or so years, a bit more than that, and um, we have to let the experts deal with it. Regarding 
the whole situation and time frames. We've, uh, we've asked a couple of people, again, who aren't in the know. I, I assume that you might be a little bit more in the know. Do we have a time frame of when we might get a conclusion to the Dillian White situation? No, I can't. Um, that's down to the UCAD um, and, the, and the other parties' teams getting together all the doc documentation for him to take place. So I've not been told of any date whatsoever. So if anybody's telling you there's a date or when it's going to be, that's not right. There's no date at all. No, no, nobody's given us a date at all. I was just asking you the, the same question to see if there was something that was maybe penciled in of where we can get some type of clarification, because obviously the sooner the better, I'm sure, on all parts. Absolutely. I mean, I can't particularly talk on this case, but the, the procedure is you know, any individual is entitled to a hearing. Uh, that will take place. How long that takes depends on all the documentation put together and any argument they're going to put forward uh, to the independent panel, and they'll hear it when they're ready. As, as the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control, are you currently happy with the procedure, if that makes sense, regarding the relationship? Because I know that obviously you can't do everything regarding the testing process. Are you happy with that process at this moment in time, or do you think it needs tweaking and amending? Well, I think I'd like to get this case out of the way, and then, like everything we do with regard to any procedures, we review. So at some point, obviously, we'll see what happens, and there's a possibility of reviewing what, we, what happens and, the, and the, how it's dealt with. But at the present time, let's just get the case dealt with and uh, take it from there. There was a lot of headlines generated just yesterday, Robert, around the VADA and the fact that he passed the VADA test. Is that something the board take in, take in mind, or are you guys just kind of fixed with UKAD? Well, we, 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 we deal with UCAD. Um, we don't deal with VADA. Obviously, all the documentation from, that we put forward on the part of, uh, of Mr. White will go to the independent panel. That's up, for him, up to him to put forward all the documentation, and um, we'll take it from there. The independent panel that came together on, we were told, on the Saturday morning of the fight, is that extraordinary? I don't really know of a case where that's happened before. No, it's something that, as I say, that's down to UCAD and the, and the procedures. We don't have any say in that, so I can't really comment on that. Well, on that, we thank you very much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your evening, Robert. Thank you so much thank you. Uh, Thanks, for giving us a little bit of a, a, a limelight on that. It is difficult for him at this moment in time, Robert, because obviously he's, he's, he's kind of pulled into the conversation where his hands are tied because the British Boxing Board of Control's relationship with drug testing is kind of dictated to by UCAD. UCAD do all their testing. UCAD are kind of in control of the whole situation and he's got to kind of dance to their tune. He has, but from a fan's perspective, it's just yet oh, another 100%. person who's, who's a part of this or represents an organisation that's a part of this whole situation. We go, no, I can't really talk on that. And Eddie Hearn, I can't really talk on that. UKAD refusing to talk, and not only that, taking information off their own website. I think that's what's muddying the waters, especially with fans. It's like, can someone please just give us a straight answer? Now, obviously, Gillian White's here tonight. His team are obviously pursuing this. They want to clear his name. Eddie's said as much. A lot of people around it, like Robert Smith then, great to speak to us. But you can see he's kind of open to the fact that I think because we, we don't know the full script, it seems like those who do know the full script knows that there's a solution to this, there's an end coming. But from a fan's perspective and a media perspective especially, we want to get to that end because otherwise we just seem to be having the same conversation over and over and we're hitting the same brick walls. We can't speak about it. It's a specific case. We've just got to let it play out. Okay. Listen, regarding what you've just said there, we've been doing this a long time, so therefore we know that there's a, a legal issue when it comes to broadcasting and journalism and various things like that. So when we go to Dillian and we ask him for a chat and his hands are tied, I understand that. Same with Edit, same with Robert to an extent.
The one thing that I can't get my head around is the UCAD situation. These are the people that know the answers and surely they see that the longer this goes on, the murkier the water gets for Dillian White, their fighter, the guy that they're supposed to be looking after. Get that information out quick and therefore we can put this to bed and move forward in some way, shape or form. Yeah, but don't forget for UCAD, this is probably quick because it took them a year to tell the Fiori's that they'd failed the test. So there's history there with UCAD of, of not being proficient at what they do. Interesting to hear Robert then say, you know, after every big incident, they would also, they would always go away and investigate it. I would love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations because, as I mentioned too, Vardar have come out and said, listen, these are our test dates, bang, 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 and he passed them all, and so did Rivas. UKAD don't seem to have provided that same information. At this moment in time, we still don't even know if they're testing a B sample or if a B sample needs to even be tested. That's how crazy the situation and is. For those that are a little bit confused on the whole matter, I mean, there's loads of dates that are getting bounded around. This is a test from June. This is a test from June that he was notified, this is Dillian White was notified about on July the 17th. So a month later, that's ridiculous, surely. Surely they can test that within 24, 48 hours and get those test results back to the fighter and their teams and, and move forward. That's what I was insinuating when I was asking Robert about the process. Does that process need to change? Does it need tweaking? I say it does, 100%, because we're seeing this time and time again through UCAD, and we are supposed to be setting some type of standard, some type of gold medal standard, where the rest of the world look at us and go, hey, they're doing it well in Britain. I fancy going there because, one, there's big fights there, and two, I know I'm going to get looked after. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Part of the problem is we put ourselves on this pedestal as the best in the world when it comes to athlete safety, and yet it's blown up in all our faces, and we, we all feel quite embarrassed by it. And obviously all the American promoters and the American fans and even the American media are loving it right now because it looks like Britain can't get their own act together. Um, and, and so that's the big frustrating thing. In terms of the drug testing, absolutely. You know, I, I spoke to a clinic just this week that is used to processing professional boxers. It's used to doing brain scans and blood tests and full medicals to pass them with the border control. I spoke to them and they said, listen, at a push, you're looking at 24, 48 hours for the results of a blood test. At a push, we could do it in 24, usually 48, work, 48 hours, two working days. So what is the problem? Why are we still waiting now? But are we still waiting? That's the big question. Are we actually waiting for a B-sample test result? Or is there something else going on that we're waiting for? But with what we've just said two moments ago, that it took a month to notify Dillian White. That's the problem. Right. That's the problem. Surely that information can come back within 48 hours. If you're what you've just said, that information can come back within 48. At the worst, 72. Three days at the very worst. Not a month, not four weeks, not three days before the guy's going into the biggest fight of his life. Exactly, you know, and as Eddie told me earlier this week, we heard earlier on the show, the night he found out on the Thursday, do you think Dillian White got an ounce of sleep between the Thursday and the Saturday night on the fight? He'd be lucky if he slept an hour, not necessarily because of Oscar Rivas or the fact that he's headlined a pay-per-view show in London in his hometown. He couldn't sleep because he's got this hanging over his head. You know, he didn't know whether his career was on the line anyway. Win, lose or draw. Dillian White might have been thinking, wow, my career's finished here. He gets past the fight on the Saturday, but he must have known this wasn't going to disappear. It was going to come out. Obviously, now it has come out. Dillian White's here tonight, and, you know, he should be getting cheered. You know, he should be getting pats on the back, but you can hear people in the audience shouting abuse his way already, shouting to him. There he is over there, look. Imagine being Dillian White right now, when he, he knows in his heart of hearts, and listen, speak to everybody around it now. I'm starting to get the feeling that when the news comes out, Dillian White's going to be cleared. Everyone that's attacked them is going to have to backtrack a little bit. And there'll still be questions asked, of course there is. 
But there's a reason why Dillian White's here today with his chin in the air, taking this abuse on the back, because he knows something. If he was going to be banned, if his career was genuinely on the line, if there was a real problem, I don't think he'd be here tonight. Do you know something? I'm kind of getting that same feeling, you know? When he obviously hasn't spoken to us on air tonight, but he has spoken to us off air, and he's in relatively good spirits. He's speaking quite well. Eddie's speaking quite well. We just heard from Robert there, and he doesn't seem... The only thing he seems perturbed about is the exact same thing that I'm perturbed about, the relationship that he has as the British Board of Boxing Control with UCAD. That's where my frustrations are at. The system, the system is wrong and that system needs to be sorted. Everybody that is actually surrounded by, surrounding Dillian White and around the Dillian White situation seems relatively relaxed for something what a lot of people are perceiving as extremely major. And it is, of course it is. This news, without facts, is major. We need clarification. We need someone to come out and give us some facts and go, right, this is the situation, so therefore we can either move forward in one direction or the other. This limbo is not doing anybody any good. Of course it does, you know. And as you say, we, we, we had a quiet word with Dillian off here. He's not allowed to say anything on here. That's why he can't say anything on the record. But even he, you could see, he didn't push us away. He wasn't like, no, no, there's absolutely no way I can talk to you. He wasn't hiding his head. He was like, listen, guys, this is the situation, but it is what it is. Don't worry. I'm going to go and watch the fights now. And it's like... That, that's not the behaviour, the mannerisms of a man that's entire life is on the line. That's reputation, his career, his WBC top ranking and everything else. He, he's not got the demeanour of that kind of a man. And right now, of course, it feels like he's been found guilty before he's innocent. But that's just the nature of the beast, Adam. He's, he's a man in the limelight. He's a superstar celebrity. He's on pay-per-view on Sky. He's got to expect that. No answers. Then everyone's going to jump to conclusions. You can't blame British boxing fan base for pointing the finger out on people here tonight, shouting things behind his back. You can't blame them because the only information they've got to go on is that man's failed a drug test. It must be PDs because he's got history. Let's write him off. It's up to Dillian White now and his team to come out when they can to clear his name. Agreed. Um, do stick with us. You listen to Fight Night uh, on TalkSport. We're on location this week. That's why you can hear a lot of noise in the background. We're at a fight. We're in Liverpool at the next gen card, which is sensational. Speaking to the who's who of boxing, this will be available as a podcast, by the way. You can download it via our website, talksport.com. There's plenty more to come on the show. Go anywhere. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport. We're on location in Liverpool. Uh, and now we're joined by the one and only Mr. Dave Allen, who's got a, I'll tell you something, they're a proper set of trainers, them lads, you got some new you, kicks Dave. on. Last time I saw you, were doing an open workout with no shoes on. Well, I got paid the other day, so I've uh, went out and got a wardrobe. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Proper set of sneakers then, pal. Pay-per-view trainers they are, definitely. They were really expensive, I'm not on to brag, but they were expensive, yeah. I've seen them top shelf in JDs, they are a proper set of sneakers. Uh, listen, obviously the dust has settled now, obviously on your fight with uh, David Price. How are you? Where you at mentally? Because you were talking in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath, that you might call time on it. I've seen you since on your social media that you're ready to go again, in your head anyway. Where are you, mate? Where are you at? Well, straight after the fight, you know when you're in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, your family's in the ambulance as well. You're thinking, I never want to do this, never want to put my family through this again. Then the dust settles a few days later, I start to feel all right again. And I think, you know what, I'd love to have a scrap. So that's where we're at. I want to box again. I love boxing. Boxing's my life. I say well done to David Price, you were by far the better man on the night and good luck to him in his career, he'll go, he'll go upwards and onwards. Now, now I'm back where, I'm back at the bottom but I'll work my way back up again, I've done it before and I'll do it again. I'm, I'm not scared to uh, 
to box at four o'clock in empty arenas. I'm not scared to go and box on the small halls. I just love boxing, so I'll be back, hopefully, fingers crossed. I've got some specs on, as you can see. I'm taking all the, all the uh, precautions, all the measures to make sure I'm healthy. The first one is that I need to wear glasses, so... Uh, yeah, so I'll be back, hopefully. Talk, talk to me about that, because you did say that your health had deteriorated over the last year. What is that? Is that What is that? Eyesight? Headaches? What is it? I've been suffering with headaches post-Tony Oker, and hopefully I've had a brain scan, and, and that was all clear. I was told that I was a little bit short-sighted. This may sort my headaches, it may not. Hopefully it will. You know, uh, many, many niggly issues, and um, get them all, all sorted out. The best me can be involved in some fantastic fights with the right opponent. So, you know, if I come back, hopefully I will fight some other short, we'll say squat. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be horrible about myself. I'm not going to say I'm fat. Some short, solid, set gentlemen like myself and be involved <laughs> in some good tear-ups at a decent level. Probably can't say I'm ever going to be world-class now, but I can entertain and that's what I'm here to do. What you have done, without any shadow of a doubt, is built a fan base. And that's half the battle in this game, as, as I'm sure you've known when you were fighting on small hall shows, selling them tickets to fives and tens and then hundreds and then it moves into the thousands. You've been on a lot of pay-per-view shows, mate. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of love for you. No matter what level it is in this game, there's a lot of love for you, and that's half the battle. You know, that is the greatest thing I've achieved in boxing. And I believe I could go on and win British, Commonwealth, European, even one if I won a world title, it would never match the walking out of the O2. David Price is one of the most popular fighters in Britain. He was getting booed the other week, and I was getting cheers to laughter. Nothing will ever top that, the, the, the feeling. I just can't even explain, I can't explain how that makes me feel. So winning titles would be nice, but it won't match that. Do you think that worked against you, Dave, on the night? The fact that you went into the fight with so much momentum, you were the betting favourite. You know, there was all this momentum behind you, and David Price was kind of like a wounded animal, but he had the pedigree to fall back on if he needed to. It, it kind of brought out his A game, and maybe did you take your eye off the ball slightly because you were in pole position? I believe what happened is on the night I wasn't great. I was I was pretty flat and I didn't perform. But I don't want to make any excuses, and I won't. I will just say that David Price, his amateur pedigree, pedigree shone through, his experience and his size, and he was just a better man. I know for the fact I can perform better, be it, on a, be it that, be it on a, just a different night, or be it against an opponent that stylistically is more suited to me, but at the end of the day, David Price is a very big, strong, hard-punching, and most importantly, very nice man. And I'm very proud to have boxed him at the O2, a chief sport on a pay-per-view. And I hope he goes on to bigger and better things. But I will be back. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I will be back. And I'll be back at a decent level. And I just um, hope I'll be back in Newcastle October 19th. I can't say that, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to announce it before I even spoke to anybody. I'm going to go and mention it in a minute. So that's the plan in my head anyway. Well, Does that sweeten it for you a little bit, though, as well, Dave? That, okay, listen, your, your momentum's been rocked a little bit. You're going to have to rebuild a little bit. But you know what? Your momentum was rocked by a guy that's had no luck in this game. He's a nice guy, David Price. Yeah. Everyone says it about him. Do you kind of feel like, you know what, he, d he deserves a little bit of, a, of the sunshine on himself as well? Well, first of all, I don't believe in momentum. I don't believe in good luck. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I believe when the bell goes, you have a scrap, and the best man on the night will win. So that's what I believe. doesn't matter if I 100 fights in a row. I go in there, and I'm still, I'm still the same. Secondly, David Price is a very, very nice man. I really like him. I always respect him. People have the wrong impression that I didn't like him or I disrespected him or I had no, I had no regard for him. But 
the whole often taking the Povetkin fight was so I could say to my grandkids, either way, I could have fought Povetkin when 12 month earlier, I was brought in as a, as a body for Nick Webb. I was just proud and so happy that I was even offered that. So I'm a funny man. I, I never got into boxing thinking I was going to be world champion. So everything, all these things that happened to me, getting off of the Povetkin fight, fighting at the O2, doing things like that, all of them are little achievements to me. Being off of the Povetkin fight was an achievement, as sad as that may sound, and that may not be the champion mentality, but to me, being even off of the Povetkin fight made me feel 10 foot tall. So yeah, I am going to accept it. Yeah, David Price knocked me out nearly. So I'm not doing it, but I still feel a sense of achievement. So I'm happy anyway. So and, I, and as, for, as for David Price, I'm so happy and so proud of him because he's really turned it around. And he was lower than I've ever been in my career. And look where he is now. So I guess in a way, you know, I, I take where he's been. I take, I take uh, what he's done as a bit of inspiration. So I'm a massive David Price fan. Talk to me. You just mentioned there about the laws, right? So it's been well documented where you've been out with depression and various things like that. Talk to me how boxing has helped you, mate. I, I, I honestly believe without boxing I'd probably be dead by now. I'm not I'm not a bad man as you can probably tell. I'm sat here in my iron blue tracksuit and these shoes, God knows what they're like Will Smith on Fresh Prince of Belair. But um, I just, um, without boxing I'd have no direction. I need direction obviously. I've been in some low places in my time and gambling, depression, certain other issues. And boxing's kept on the straight and narrow. It's just, it's giving me something to live for, you know, and that's why I don't want to stop. I'm 27 years old. I could have a million pounds. Wouldn't be enough to keep me out of trouble. Boxing is. I can't wait to get to Newcastle Arena because I'm going to go and bend his ear about it now until he agrees. And I can't wait to get there. I, I live for it. I hate training. I hate dieting. <coughs> I don't even really like boxing. But I love <laughs> but I love to perform and entertain and put a smile on people's faces. And that's what I do day in, day out on social media. And that's what I do when I get in the ring. And I, and I can't wait to get back to it. I was going to say, man, set up a stand-up routine or something like that, pal. You don't have to box to have the adoration of an audience, do you? People keep saying, do commentary, do punditry, do radio, do TV. And I say, well, someone come on off me the way then and I'll do it. <laughs> it's easy saying it, but I need to get the office. Anyone's got any office, send them my way, I'll do it. And I'll probably still box anyway, but yeah, I love it. I'll do all of it. I'll do anything you want, anything. That's my bosses there going, right, we're going to give Dave a job, but he can't work this night because he's going for a scrap in Newcastle. Absolutely. You know, I'll do both on the same night. I'll do oh, I'll... I'll wash cars, I'll do it. I'm not really bored, I just, I just love being in and out and active and I'll literally do anything. So any offers out there, job offers, send them my way. <laughs> regarding, uh, listen, let's get back to fighting yep. because regarding Newcastle, you're obviously keen on doing it and getting back in quite quickly. What type of level are we talking? I'm talking four-round level. <laughs> I'm talking let's get to the graveyard and dig some bodies up because I don't want nobody eating me back for a while. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to box anybody with a pulse at the minute. Uh, just just a good journeyman. Someone tough, someone to get the rounds in. Most importantly, someone who's not going to hit me and I'm going to knock them out. That's all I want for the next six months. So get a few wins. I'd I love to pick up a Commonwealth title. I'd love to box a British title and maybe yeah. win it if the timing's right. Am I going to beat Daniel Dubois? Probably not, but... He's not um, going to be British champion forever either. No, he'd be world champion before long. And yeah. If we get the right opponent, then, then we'll let, you never know. I want to win the major title. I want to make a few more quid. And then, obviously, I'll get into my TV roles and my acting and my modelling and all that stuff. So, uh, But that can wait for now. So I, I just want to keep enjoying my life. And, and being in and around boxing, I do. So long may it continue. Listen, boxing loves you, mate. Just a quick one on uh, Darren Barker, obviously, teaming up with him. How much of a, an influence has he been, not just necessarily in the ring, but outside as well? Well, when I first rang Darren, I rang him as a friend. And that's just what he's been. And, and 
and now and again he puts the pads on and he does a bit of this and he does a bit of that and well, Darren Barker's just been a very good friend to me and the friendship and, and relationship we built over the last three or four months has turned into something spectacular and you know and if he was a woman he'd probably be my wife but he's not so he's my coach I've just had a weird mental I'm, image there I'm, I'm one of my best mates and I'm so I'm proud to be the man's friend he's just yeah. a good man and um so yeah, we'll continue the journey together. Mick Marsden as well, he's always been there, he's still there, did my cuts the other week. You know, I could hear him, Jab Dave, I could hear him in the corner, and it's so it's it's just so um it's just so nice to hear his voice. So yeah, that's the team and we're gonna carry on and we'll have some easy fights so we can do a bit of celebrating. We'll see you in Newcastle, buddy. Nice one, mate. Uh, you listen to Fight Night here on Talksport, don't go anywhere if you can recover after what he's just said. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're on location this week. We're in Liverpool. And if you come to Liverpool, you've got to speak to the King of Liverpool. That's not you, Nick Pete. Used to be. It used to be. But then someone went and run, won a, a ring magazine belt and became the real King of Liverpool. That's what it's all about. Uh, Callum Smith and his trainer, Joe Gallagher, uh, alongside us. Gentlemen, pleasure. Little bit of news over the last 24 hours. Billy Joe Saunders no longer as a promoter. Is that because he wants to maybe make a fight with you, lads? Is that what it is? Is that what's going on? Um, I don't know. This I was surprised by the news. I think it's a, a very bold move by Billy Joe. Um, there's a bit of me that's a, a bit sorry for Frank Warren. I think Frank Warren's done an excellent job with him from uh, the Beijing Olympics. Two-time world champion, stuck by him. Um, as Mickey Duff does say, that there's not seems to be no loyalty in this sport, does there? But he's at the latter stage of his career, Billy Joe, now, and he wants the big fights. And uh, the big fights, Eddie Hearn's got a key to some of them fights. And um, that's if he's going with Eddie Hearn. There's also top rank there as well. I'd be interested to see where he goes, but if he wants a Triple G, a Canelo, um, Cam Smith type of fight, 
Eddie Hearn and DAZN is uh, is the man to deliver them fights. Well, we know we know that there was an offer. Was the offer not suitable enough to obviously make that fight next? Because we know the big man wants uh, he wants the big fights. We've spoken to him before. Was the was the original offer from Frank to to unify the division not good enough? No, it's not, Nick. It's like, and this is no d d disrespect. When you've got a unification fight and you want to sell it and both fighters are putting the titles on the line, they want paying well. At the moment, the boxing hard-coded by the pay-per-view, but the, the casuals wouldn't, they don't know. So like Tyson Fury, Dante Wilder rematch, they're building it for it to when it happens. So they can fight on BT for X amount of money, but they're not going to get the same money as they are going to do next summer, possibly, on Sky. The money is totally different altogether and the platform's totally different and both fighters want to be paid well. It was great at the weekend watching hookers fight and seeing unifications. Callum came in the gym and went, oh, it's boss, I'd love to be in a unification. We do. But as we've seen, Rob, lately, fighters are going in the ring and putting their health on the line and their lives on the line and they want rewarding well and paying well. And Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders now, it's a big fight, but it can be a bigger fight next year in the summer and if Billy Joel has come over, that's a great fight to happen. And that's what we've always said, even when it was with Frank Warren. The fight needs to build up and uh, for it to be the big fight that it needs to be. And be given the support, be given the crowd that it should be. We've got two talented fighters there. And um, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if I see Billy Joel Saunders move back down to middleweight as well. I think that's opening up now for him. And I think Canelo will move up next year. It's a massive opportunity for you, Callum, obviously. September 21st, been heavily rumoured for your comeback fight here in Liverpool. Would you would you like to have Billy Joe in the opposite corner? Or, or like Joe said, would you rather let that fight build maybe till next year? Um, both, obviously, I'm a fighter. If you offer me Billy Joe next, I'd jump at the chance. I believe I'm the best in the world. That includes anyone who moves up into my weight division and anyone who moves down. 168, I'd beat anyone. And, but I do understand Joe's side of it and Eddie's side of it. The fight's a bigger fight in the summer it, there's a business side of things and as a fighter I'd, I'd want it next but when you look at that side of it I understand the plan that they've got for it so do I think it will happen I do I do think the fight does happen he's a good fighter he's a talented fighter but like I said I believe I'm the best super in the world and I believe I'd be too big and too good for Billy Joe Saunders How frustrating is this at the moment regarding yourself you want you want the biggest fight Canelo seems to be the kingmaker. He's yeah. messing about left, right, and centre. Canelo's been linked saying, with about four different guys. He yeah. said your name first. Yeah, no, no, it's nice to be mentioned with him, and it's a fight I would jump at. I don't believe I get it anytime soon. I believe he stays at middleweight, and you know, there's a lot of other fights out there for him. But I said early on, I'm not going to waste my whole career chasing a Canelo fight. There's big fights for me without him, and that's probably a good, good mentality to have because if I was sitting around expecting a fight I'd still be sitting waiting now and it doesn't look like I'm going to get it but I never thought I'd get it so I'm not disappointed it's not happening and if it does happen it'll happen sometime in the future and again it's a, it's a bigger fight the more I keep winning How you've been in this situation Joe training world champions is this the most difficult time now when you are world champion because trying to make those big fights is an absolute nightmare at times It is to a certain because uh, Callum was the hunter he's now the hunted so lots of people uh, want to fight Callum, but at the same well, time... You say, you say that, but no, no, they, they, they mention the name, but they don't seem to be coming no, forward. No, they don't, and like anything, when they do want to fight Callum, they want to pay loads of money. And yet when you're coming up, you see the champions, you see the Mayweathers, you see Joshua's, you see the money, you see the zone contracts with Canelo, Triple G, and you think, right, that's how it goes. I get the gold, I get that. 
But then when you get to the UK now and you've got the gold, you're like, okay then now, as Jenny Maguire say, show me the money. For some reason, it must be lost in translation that at the moment, but that's where we're at at the moment. So Callum, he's got to fight now, hopefully back in September, early October. It'll be two years since he's fought in the UK. He's fought Germany, Jeddah, New York. Come home, defend the titles and just carry on. You've got to understand, it's not the finished article. We've got to carry on developing Callum Smith so that he becomes one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world out there. And he's still learning. It's not the finished article. So we still need to be having fights, defending titles, keeping busy, keeping our tools sharp and learning and practicing things. And uh, when them big fights and big showdowns come, we'll be ready. And there's so much more still to come from Callum Smith. With all these big names being mentioned, though, Callum, you know, would it for yourself, would it be tough to get motivated for someone like a John Ryder next, maybe? Um, yeah, I don't know, obviously when you get talked about with you know, the Canelos of the world and then it's like, well, you've got to fight your man to John Ryder. Listen, John Ryder's a top fighter. He's in, he's in good form at the minute, but I've got a world title that I work so hard to get. That's my motivation. If I lose my world title, then the chance of fighting your Canelos and your GGGs, they're gone. So as much as I can't afford to get complacent and I think while I'm world champion, I won't get complacent. I want to keep my belt regardless of who's in the opposite corner and I want to keep my unbeaten record. That's always been... It's always been my motivation. I'm terrified of losing, and that's what drives me on. That makes me work that little bit harder. I've just noticed that your brother's turned up. He's now obviously being all celebrity. Grab him for a second. Let's get him over. Let's find out what's next for, uh, for Liam Smith. Mexico. Say that again. Old LB for off to Mexico. Is he? Can you give us a little bit of a cook? <laughs> Is he quite? Oh, he's not. He's, I'll tell you something, Liam Smith. Obviously, when you come to Liverpool. And you speak to the Smith brothers, they're kind of inundated with people wanting uh, pictures and various things like that. Liam, welcome to the show, mate. We've just been speaking to you, bro, about his next steps. Go on, what's your next steps? What's next um, for you? I'm fighting the 24th of August in Mexico. So, three weeks. Yeah, looking forward to it. Opponent named yet or not? No, no opponent yet. We've only just decided I was going to go ahead and go on that bill. Well, that's so. a shame. There's a Jaime Munguia that comes from I Mexico know, yeah. that's looking for a show at the moment, isn't there, son? We'll get that one at the end of the year, hopefully. Is, is that, that the reason? Is that why you're going? Yeah, going out to Mexico to, to call out Mungia? <laughs> uh, these Mexicans, just mad, mad. Me and Mexico just doesn't seem to fit. I'm the two losses at the two Mexicans, so hopefully I go over there and um, get a win this time. I like it. That's Conor McGregor attitude, that, innit? Let's go into the favelas yeah. and give them a little bit of abuse. That's what you're doing, aren't you? You're going in there. Have you learned any Spanish, maybe, to, to, to give them a little bit on the microphone no, after no, the fight? No, no, I took it in school, but I haven't got none. But <laughs> even just, just going over there, obviously. I think I'd be quite well known over there. Obviously, my two losses are two, are two big Mexicans, but again, it's just a, another fight for us, really, and you know, on 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 a path to where we want to get back to. So, you know, we'll take it and move on. Out of the two of them, though, you have spoken before about Jaime Munguia, about your frustrations about that fight. That you look at it now, and you think, I could have done, I could have done it if yeah, I'd have been no, well, more active it, building up. To I watched it. it the other day. I, I watched it again the other day. Just just lying on the couch, watched it. And it, it does still great on me, it does. I, I still 100% don't believe he's a better fighter than me. I think a lot a lot played its part on that night. And, um, you know, it, it, the right winner won, obviously, but 100% I think I can beat Time Mungir on a different night. Has the development of your division on a world level surprised you over the last year with certain people losing like yeah, Charles changed, and it's changed a bit that the, the two dominant forces have lost and Charlo lost his title, Heard lost his title, so... The division's wide open again. I know they're both having rematches, but 
I don't think the rematches are foregone conclusions, you know what I mean? I don't think they're nailed on winners in them fights and everyone's air of instability has gone about them now. Heard, all of a sudden people are saying, oh, well, he's not that good. He's gone from being a monster to being, ah, well, he was just big when he's not when he's not effective. He's not that good. And the same with Charlo. So the division has gone a little bit wide open. Mungi is not the best now. People, he, he struggled against Hogan. People are saying he's not the best. Obviously, he's struggling with weight, so the division is wide open again. We can't um, let these lads clear off without talking football, can we? Got to ask a, a, a few season predictions, you know what I mean? You missed out by a point last year, you lads, didn't you? Missed you know Joe out, but we lost the lads for sure, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do Joe in a minute when we're saying he's falling out of the top six. We'll get to that in a minute, but go on. <laughs> Beef, I'm sure you'll agree. This has got to be Liverpool's season, hasn't it? Yeah, so I feel the season we had last year. You lot say that every year. What's there, the matter with you, man? We'll win it this year. <laughs> European champions are talking here, little boy. Behave yourself. Callum, would you would you swerve the European Cup this year and just put all, all the focus on the league? Um, I wouldn't say swerve it, but I think if he had to pick to win one of them, it'd be the league. And I think it was the same last season. He'd have probably rather have won the league than the Champions League. And Yeah, definitely. No, we've won it a few times now, the Champions League. I think the league's the one we want. And no, if you can focus on that and get that, then I think a lot of, there'll be a lot of fans happy. Let's Joe. talk about 80 million quid, shall we? Just spent a few quid on the centre and a half, haven't you, lad? How are you feeling, Joe? <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's absolutely stupid money, isn't it? Absolutely. Typical United, throw money at something. Yet you look at the Italian clubs, what they buy for 30, 35 million euros, by the way. And we're paying uh, 80 million for Maguire. It's, listen, we'll, we'll just see what happens. We had a good start to the season. We won our five pre-season games, so I'll take that for now. <laughs> What's your, what's your honest thought this year regarding a finish for Manchester United? Where's it going to be? Top four? It's got to be top four. It's got to be top four. Beefy's not shaking his head. He don't reckon you're going to get top I four. No, I, I, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is it's got to be top four. You can't have nothing less than that this year, top four money. But listen, I think they could surprise. Oh, well, I'm hoping. Like, we could be battling second or third. Oh, stop it, man. He's here. He's here. He's gone. gone. Are you drunk? Your head's gone, lad. Lads, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Uh, stick with us. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. There's plenty more to come. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, we are uh, on location this week. We're in Liverpool at the Next Gen Card, um, and one man was supposed to be headlining this uh, Next Gen Card. However, got himself injured, and now he's enjoying himself with the fans. You know what I mean? Uh, Scott Fitzgerald, welcome to the show, buddy. Yeah, all right, lads. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here watching as a fan, and um, looking forward to the the main event. You know, it'd be interesting for me to watch. Like you say, I was meant to be the one fighting, but you know, it did me head in. But I'm on the up now, so back training and uh, getting ready for the uh, the British title fight. So that should be. Have a date announced soon. I was going to say, injury-wise, you're clear now, are you? You're back in the gym, you're doing your thing? Yeah, hands feeling strong. Still looks a bit ugly, but uh, it's set pretty strong. So I'm in the gym working hard, yeah, and uh, I've uh, been told a possible date, so should be announced soon, I'm hoping. Good stuff, man. What did you uh, What did you actually do? I just landed a shot and the guy's moved his head into it, so I'd not fully ten- uh, clenched my fist, and I just hurt all like, the metacarpal bones here. It looks in- horrific. It looks bad, but... It- I think it's going to look like that forever. But so he's set pretty strong, and may, 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 you know, maybe at some point I'll have to get an operation, but I'm going to be all right to get through the next fight with it. 
Have you got a date in mind? Have you been speaking to Eddie about when you can get back out? He said he's mentioned maybe October fifth earliest, but he's not. It's not set in stone. So um, either way, I work towards that date. So I'm ready and um, see, see when it is. Make sure I'm in a best shape of, uh, of my career so far. The and get uh, that British title I've always been after. Well, yeah, exactly. Of course, yeah, obviously the Brian Rose fight fell through tonight, but I think in terms of your development as well, I would love to rather see you go the British title be first anyway, because yeah. the, you know the world title rankings is down the line. Yeah, we were saying it last time, weren't we? Uh, you know, it was, that's what it was meant to be, weren't it? But uh, there were, uh, he'd come off a loss, and uh, so in the meantime we got that. But obviously it wasn't meant to be, and uh, things happen for a reason. So make sure I'm right for this British title fight and. Uh, get myself that and then then look on from there wherever we go there's a show i think coming to liverpool end of september callum smith more than likely main event and would that be a little bit too soon would it um maybe a little bit i'm about a stone and a half overweight but i'd rather yeah i didn't want to say scott i didn't want you know what i mean you've been enjoying yourself aren't you lad yeah i have i've been, I've been uh training and running every day but you know uh i need I, i'm starting on my diet monday for uh that so soon be off and i'll be feeling better Tokyo Joe's has been getting a right whack, on it? <laughs> Tokyo Joe's. I've not been in a bit now. I've been behaving. Been, uh, yeah, I've been well behaved, so I've not been up to no good, really. So That's the official line that you're giving us. Listen, I, I, keep, listen, <laughs> I keep up to date with your social <laughs> media, lad. You're all over the place. I've not. I've uh, been very well behaved, honestly. Trying to figure out what I do with myself now, really. <laughs> uh, it's a mad one, but I'm getting there. Regarding, obviously, this division, that you are now... In fact, before I get to that question, the momentum that you were on, we were talking about it last time when you were in with your dad, that momentum, we were talking about the next one's got to be Cheeseman, right? Yeah, which which, which is what we wanted, but as a battle of Preston versus Blackpool, I, I, ca- I was kind no. of in the mood for Brian Me Rose. Too. And, and that's why I was, um, you know, I was happy to have that in between. Before the Fowler, I, you know, my, I had my plan set for it to be Fowler, Cheeseman, whoever else from there, if, and, you know, get that British title, but... In the meantime, a Blackpool-Preston collision would have been a real special night and uh, except for the MEN, it would have been great, but I've got to just get over it. Well, I've had to get over it and uh, look forward to uh, the next thing now and uh, see how Brian gets on tonight. If he gets a win, I get the British title and uh, maybe it can happen sometime soon. Yeah, I was just going to say that, actually. Maybe if if, if Rose does win tonight, obviously that, that Blackpool-Preston super fight is still on. How do you think the main event will go tonight? How do you think Brian Rose is... Has still got another swing at this. I'm interested to uh, to see it. Yeah, that's why I'm here, to be honest. And um, I think he looks in good shape. He looks uh, like he's took it serious. Talking the right talk. Yeah, and he look. He sounds like he's in a real great mindset. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, um, people think I've been saying to me they think Fowler might just blow him away, but if if that doesn't happen, you know, and he sticks around, then then what? So we'll see. You know, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, may the best man win. What did you make of uh, Cheeseman's last efforts when he was out last time? Um, I thought he won the fight, I'd, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, I was quite shocked that it was a draw. But, uh, you know, looking at him, I definitely think I can, be, you know, I'll win that fight. I was going to say, because he's the last couple that he's had, they've not been what we would class as Cheeseman-esque performances. They've kind of, I don't want to say that... that Maybe the wind's out of his sails a little bit. Maybe there's something going on there because he hasn't looked himself the last two times out. Maybe he needs a little bit of a, a Scott Fitzgerald on a card to get himself motivated as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Garcia, you know, he fought hard. I was ringside for that fight. He fought hard, but 
uh, it was a great performance from Garcia that night, you know, and maybe it knocked his confidence. And uh, in the next fight, then, he, you know, he didn't ch he didn't seem to have changed much. And uh, whether he can or not, I don't know. But um, I'm sure he'll bring his best to fight me when it happens. And uh, I'll make sure I bring my best. I'm confident I can get that win. Style, get that British title. Stylistically, I think Cheeseman's just made to bring out the best in you, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, I, I see. You know, I have a good game plan in, in mind for that fight. And uh, like I say, I'm really confident I can win that fight. So I, I'll uh, be working hard in camp and uh, putting it all together. And when I will do another interview in uh, six weeks' time, see what we're up to. That's all right. It's happening in six weeks' time, right? Okay, that's <laughs> See where I'm at. Feeling better. Are you, uh, are you taking in much football? Obviously, the championship gets underway tomorrow. Your boys are uh, your boys are in town, Preston North End. Are they going to uh, do anything this year or what? Away at Millwall, it'd be, um, be good to get three points, wouldn't it? The, it'd be a great start to the season. I think they can. Made some decent signings, so I'm, I'm, I've been missing the football. I really have, you know. I've not known, you know. I'm looking forward to getting some bets on tomorrow. You see, you seem like the type of guy to be right in the the, the mix of the crew that will go to an away day to Millwall, mate. Yeah, you well, seem, <laughs> you seem that type of guy. I've had a few texts, but I'm giving it a miss. I'm, uh, I won't be doing, I won't be, uh, I won't be doing anything until after my next fight. You know, so I've got something to celebrate, definitely. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm staying out of trouble until my next fight. Until my next fight, making sure I'm the best version of myself when it comes. <laughs> That's obviously come from his dad, Exactly, yeah, his dad dad dad's been on down, Nice yeah. one, Scott's dad. <laughs> How's he getting on? Is he, uh, is he still yeah, signing autographs? Go, yeah. go, go and stick a mic in his face, see how he actually love it. No, he loved it too much last time, <laughs> didn't he? He was in his element. Yeah, he loves it. He's over there, we're on front row, so he's buzzing. He's looking forward to the main event. He's known Brian a long time. Uh, used to, they used to do... Uh, have spars at our gym and that so, before I even box, so he's looking forward to it as am I. Yeah. Have you felt this momentum come behind you, Scott, after after the performance and the victory against Fowler? Have you really felt like yeah. the whole country's kind of gone, oh, wow, this is a guy to watch? Yeah, yeah. It gave me a lot of confidence that fight and um, it was a bit of a setback it, uh, picking up an injury and having to uh, pull out of the fight, you know, in line. It, it, it done me head in a bit, but. You know, I just got to get over it, like I say, and uh, move on to the next. I'll be happy when I have that British title with me, wanna? Absolutely. Did you, were you surprised that Fowler jumped straight in after a loss? Because it's no, a risky fight for him. It's another. It, it is, and uh, you know, if he got beat to, again tonight, it, you know, where would he go from there? It wouldn't be great. But I admire him as well for it in a way. You know, he he stays ready, and uh, after he, he he took a loss, and uh, he, he jumped up, jumped at the opportunity, didn't he? So I can't knock him, and. Uh, Good luck to both of them tonight, yeah. I noticed that, uh, you, you know, your mate that we're doing the uh, Tony thing, we is uh, in the toilet at that time when he was stripping <laughs> off, your mate <laughs> that were on Instagram. He was the original, weren't he? He was the original okay, one where everybody's I obviously mimicked it and then and started. Hundreds yeah, hundreds of them videos. Well, well the original one, yeah. he's in here tonight, is the lad, isn't he? Is it, was he not in here tonight? No, not that I know. I'd be shocked if he was, like, but I've not I, seen I, him. Oh, maybe I saw him before. Well, there were a lad before taking his top off, giving it the big Tony. Maybe it's because Eddie Tony's in action tonight. Eddie were doing it before. <laughs> he's usually good with imp his impressions, but... I weren't happy with it. <laughs> to tweak it. Listen, always a pleasure to speak to you, mate. Thank you so yeah. much for being on the show. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Plenty more to come. Don't go anywhere. Online, DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Go the distance with Fight Night Live. The fight starts now. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. I don't think he's going to get up. On TalkSport, the home of boxing.
Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're on location this week in Liverpool at the Exhibition Centre for the Next Gen Card. Um, speaking to the who's who of the boxing world, and you'll be able to get this show via a podcast just in case you've missed conversations with the likes of Eddie Hearn and the Smith brothers from a little bit earlier on. I think it's only fair that we have a little bit of a look back at last weekend uh, because with everything that's been going on this week with Dillian White, we've kind of forgotten that we had a world title unification over in Arlington in Dallas last week, which involved Moore Hooker and uh, Jose Ramirez. And they gave us six rounds of absolute blood and thunder. And at, at one point, I thought we were well on for a 12-round fight of the year contest, Nick. It was. It was sensational, wasn't it? You know, Ramirez started really well, probably won the first two rounds, but then Hooker came back into it and found his range, and it swung back the other way and probably won the next two rounds. And then Ramirez came on strong again in the fifth, got his head on his chest and started letting big bombs go. And, you know, Hooker started letting big shots go. And you're right, at the end of the fifth round, you were thinking... Oh my God, oh my word, we're going to get treated to something a bit special here. Uh, but, you know, Ramirez found a killer shot in that sixth round, a left hook, and once he had big Mo Hooker in trouble, once he had him up against the ropes, he didn't uh, take his foot off the gas and got one of the, one of the best finishes of the year so far as well. How, Im- how impressed were you with Ramirez? Because I- I've said on various shows that me and you have done this week that I saw him at 2012 and he didn't light me up. That, to be fair, that whole American team in the, in the Olympic Games in 2012 didn't light me up, but he's obviously gone on and become a world champion. I saw him in his last fight, professional fight against Zapita. Again, I thought he was well-gettable. So I fancied more going into the fight, but I'll tell you something, he was absolutely sensational with Ramirez from start to finish. How impressed were you with him, and is he your man at 140? Well, this is the crazy thing, you know, going into that fight, if you said to me next, uh, you know, last week in the build-up, um, where are these two guys ranking? I'd have probably said the fighting for third spot in the division. Uh, Regis Progress, Josh Taylor, in the final of the World Boxing Super Series. I'd have probably ranked one and two uh, with the winner of this fight coming at number three. But I'll tell you what, you know me, Adam. I'm quite fickle. Uh, you know, I, I can only remember last week, really. As far as I'm concerned, Ramirez right now is the man to beat in this weight class. He is the best super lightweight on the planet. He proved it by unifying the belts. And he awaits now the winner of that World Boxing Super Series final. And what... A final that's going to be, and then as I say, whoever wins that and fights Ramirez, my goodness! Suddenly the super lightweight division has took the spotlight off the entire world. That's what I like about you. If someone beats someone, they should automatically not only take the belts off them, but they should take their ranking, whether Absolutely. that is, whether that be in the pound for pound rankings or whether that be in their uh, divisional rankings. So just because you saw Ramirez last week, you've forgotten all the great work that Taylor and Progress have done up until they fight again, of course. Um, but because he was sensational last weekend, he's the number one. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and it just comes down to man of the victory, you know. Had he had he sneaked past Mo Hooker with a points decision, or even if it had been an all-time classic and the two of them had, you know, had a complete ding dong for twelve rounds, and he got a decision, then I probably wouldn't have got as carried away. But the fact that he took Mo Hooker's best work, you know, he, he imposed his will early on. Then he had to go on the back foot and, and take a bit of a breather and let Mo Hooker get, you know, get his shots off. But he defensively done well. He tucked up. He didn't get in trouble at any point. And then when he went back through the gears again, Mo Hooker couldn't live with him. That kind of performance for me singles Ramirez out as something a bit special. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of talk around him. You're right. 2012, he went into that tournament with a bit of momentum, but was disappointing in London. But you know what? Adam, the entire Team USA was disappointed at London 2012. They were absolutely garbage. But go back and check that list of people they had at 2012 in London. And look what they're doing as pros. It's like world champion, world champion, world champion. It's ridiculous. It is world ridiculous. And if they're not a world champion, they've most certainly been competing at world level. Um, We seem to now 
been a wonderful time around these weight classes, 135 pounds, 140 pounds, where over the next, I'll, I'll even shorten this, I was going to say a year, but over the next nine months, we might see an undisputed champion because the paths for me don't seem too littered with too much politics. No, they don't. And uh, that's the great thing about it, you know, and I think World Boxing Super Series have played a huge role in that. Um, you know, they did the cruiserweights. They, you know, they unified Usyk at the end. It would have been great, of course, to have uh, to have Mo Hooker and Ramirez in the World Boxing Super Series tournament. The great thing is, everybody's looking to this tournament now. And he, when it comes to their weight division, even though Hooker wasn't involved or Ramirez, all the talk in the aftermath of the fight and even the build-up was whoever wins this awaits that winner, awaits the winner of that tournament. And it's just helping from a fan's perspective. And boy, do we need it with all these belts at the moment. It's just helping everybody get their minds straight on who's the best in each weight class. The World Boxing Super Series has done fantastic things again this year. And listen, I know there's all kinds of rumours that it's struggling financially, but I hope it sticks around because from a fan's perspective, that's what we want, isn't it? We want a unified champion in each weight division so we know exactly what's happening. Even if it's not happening within the World Boxing Super Series, it seems that they've set precedent now. So therefore, fans have started to get used to seeing the best versus the best. Like you, you, You're right to bring up the Cruiserweights last year because even though Usyk comes out on top and he's the undisputed champion, the guys that he actually beat and the way that he went about beating them was absolutely sensational. A lot of fans fell in love and caught, it caught their imagination, didn't it? And now what you're seeing is promoters starting to put their guys in these fights and not using politics and various bits and bats. Don't get me wrong, it still goes on. But last weekend, it, what, they, they both weren't promoted by the same guy. One was an Eddie Hearn guy, uh, one was a top rank guy, and they brought them all in together, didn't they? You know, So it, we know it can be done if the fighters want it and if people can put their differences to one side. And I think ultimately that's what it's all about. It's, it's whether the fighters want it. You know, it was great to hear from Callum Smith earlier on the show saying, I want the big fights. I want the Billy Joe Saunders fights here. I'd fight him tomorrow. He wants the Canelo fights. He wants the Kovalev fights. You know, this is what motivates him to get up in the morning. He's already a world champion. He wants the biggest fight possible now. Not just financially, but he wants to prove to the world that he's best in each weight division. And that's just reigned right through the sport now. The, the good thing about money coming into the sport and much more fi- fans' eyeballs coming to it and, and bigger TV platforms is that ultimately the fighters are getting the kind of money where, and, and to, to make these fights happen. You know, Mo Hooker and Ramirez... They only made that fight happen because there was enough money on the table to make it happen, for that unification to become possible. Then, Otherwise, what's the point? You may as well go and defend your belt against your mandatory in your own backyard and then name what you can hear. It's the fact that there's big money in the sport now from the big American broadcasters like The Zone, like ESPN, you know, that are really brilliant, unifying each weight division. And it's fantastic for fans because, you know, we bang our heads against the, against the brick wall each week with the, with the organisations, the WBCs, the WBOs, the WBAs, IBFs. They're all about as each other of this world when they introduce these new belts, these franchise belts and pale belts and, you know, WBO, Intercontinental, European, Featherweight, uh, Auntie's Mate's Uncle belt. It's bonkers and, you know, we're involved in the sport and it's tough for us to know who's the champion sometimes. So it must be absolutely bewildering for fans. So tournaments like this are fantastic. Great to see, by the way, this week. Um, that the tournaments at a smaller level of course are coming in MTK are introducing their own version of a world boxing super series not just for MTK fighters they're going to do weight classes of guys looking to make a breakthrough and at the end of it the incentive is going to be a six figure check and a six figure two year salary with a big promoter fantastic that it's coming right through the sport now to grassroots as well mm. um, I mentioned the 135 pound division uh, because last weekend Javonta Davis was fighting I know he's a 130 pound fighter but there's a guy that's fighting 100, up at 135 pounds that you could quite easily make an argument that could go back down to 130 pounds 
Javonta Davis was sensational last weekend. There's no question about that. Tevin Farmer was on the undercard of the Mohawker Jose Ramirez card. And he cruised. Don't get me wrong. He cruised to a victory. And a lot of people that love the sweet science would have watched that and gone, fantastic, Tevin Farmer. Sensational stuff. You re regain your world title and we move on to the next thing. And I actually saw a tweet from him as well in the aftermath of that where he kind of said exactly the same thing. Why do I need to be blood and guts, entertaining and risking my life in a week where two lads have lost their lives in this sport? And I thought, for fair play. At the end of the day, this is your career. You do what you want. But us as fans, we want to be on the edge of our seats. We want guys that are willing to put it on the line just a little bit more in order to give us that entertainment. For Meckles, fall in love with him, which then gets us riled up for those super fights. For me, Javonta Davis's performance last weekend totally outshone Tevin Farmer, and therefore I'm shouting for a Javonta Davis-Lomachenko fight rather than I'm fighting for a Javonta Davis-Tevin Farmer fight. Would you agree with that? Yeah, obviously I would agree with it because I want I want Lomachenko, you know, potentially the greatest of all time. I want him to face the biggest the biggest threats out there. I want him to really define his legacy by moving through up and down weight divisions and taking on all comers and taking on the best guys. But I think, you know, honestly there is more chance that Tevin Farmer fight happening next, but he didn't help his cause. You're right. You know, no, nobody spun out of that weekend talking about anything other than Javonta Davis being absolutely ruthless and mini Mike Tyson on one network. And, uh, and Mo Hooker and Ramirez lighting the place up in a fight of the year, six round, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe slugfest on the other. There was nobody talking about Tevin Farmer. Tevin Farmer's family weren't even talking about Tevin Farmer in the aftermath. And you've got to do more to make the big fights. You know, the fighters have got to... They're in control of their own destinies. I think sometimes, you know, Tevin Farmer cruises through that fight. So after it gets about seven or eight, nine rounds, you think, put your foot down now. I'm not saying take a chance, but open up a bit, explode. You know, try and get the finish. Try and just rubber stamp this performance with a big finish because I know there's a lot of money in the sport at the moment, as I said earlier, but you've got to go out there and claim that money. You've got to go out and prove your pay-per-view dollars and you're worthy of being pay-per-view. And he didn't do that. You know, this is a world champion making a flawless second def uh, latest defence on the other card of a unification fight. There's no bigger platform for him. And yet he's playing second fiddle to the guy on a different network, Javonta Davis, who just gets it, who just gets where boxing is right now. And he knows he needs to be explosive, he needs to be mouthy, he needs to be controversial, because that's where the big money is. And he, ultimately, it's him we're talking about. You haven't even mentioned to me the potential of Lomachenko coming back down to fight Tevin Farmer, because nobody cares. Everybody wants to see him fight Javonta Davis, because that's the fight that generates big pay-per-view money. Yeah, fair point. Um, seeing as that we are talking Lomachenko, did you know that the producer of this show that we're making right now has decided to go to a wedding on the day that Lomachenko comes to London? So it must be his wedding. I'll give no, you no, no. It's what? not his wedding, mate. It's a family wedding. In fact, it's not even his family's wedding. It's his girlfriend's family's wedding. This is a joke. No. Nope. You winding me up? No joke. Um, we're going to go a little bit Lomachenko crazy uh, at some point in the show um, because he is coming to town. We believe that he will go on to become one of the greatest, if not the greatest. I mean, he will never take the mantle off Muhammad Ali, but you know what I mean? He could be second. Uh, Lomachenko coming to town. Uh, and for some of us, we can't wait. Others want to go to a wedding. Anyway, you listen to Fight Night here on TalkSport. Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got everything you want. How do we know the names? We are the people that you find. Whatever you may need. If you've got the money, honey, we got your disease. In the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. Knees, knees. 
Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me. And now we are joined by the one and only Mr. Rocky Fielding. Now this is, I think this is, interview is going to go a lot better than the last time Nick interviewed Rocky actually. Uh, because uh, Rocky decided to uh, turn uh, our studio into a crash and bring his boy uh, who kind of dominated the interview, didn't he Nick? You know what I mean? He kind of took over, the, uh, the young boy. He did, he was fantastic. Listen, he behaved himself for half an hour, didn't he Rock? We can't really ask for more than that anyway. No, but... Only that he, I had, he, he went in nursery and he had um, <laughs> no one to have him. Don't have to so I had to bring him in. I thought I'd bring him in at the tower, the view. I thought, yeah, Perfect. Look, but after um, soon as we started, he needed the toilet. Then he wanted sweets. Then he wants the draw. Then he didn't want the draw. So, but uh, no, I, know, I know now not to come again. Parent problems. Listen, you've been on a little bit of a recent trip to uh, America. You went over to Vegas. You were taking in the Pacquiao fight. First of all, how was that? Yeah, that was good. Um, first time I've been to Vegas, and uh, I've always like wanted to go, obviously, and especially when a fight's been on or UFC fights, no way, um, like a big one. So when we got there, because Jess is she's 13 December, so nothing happens December. There's a Christmas and so we've we've took it to. To July to go up for the 30th, so it was good. I enjoyed it. Coincidentally, there were a fight on. Yeah, I like that, it. That so it's your his birthday, and there's coin. Coincidentally, it's Pacquiao, Pacquiao versus Thurman. <laughs> yeah, that was that was it. Yeah, so, but it, not too bad because Jess likes boxing, likes it. So of course she does, Rob. Yeah. Of course she does. Yeah, is that, what you, is that what you convince yourself? Oh yeah. So <laughs> it was a, it was a night off the ale anyway. So it was, it, we went there, watched oh. the fight, went back, got our head down. But it was good. Yeah, good. Um, obviously. MGM's a big Mayweather's fought there and like oh it's it's a fame obviously with Mayweather. Um I thought it'd be better than what what it was. It looked like the older tacky a bit, do you know what I mean? But um, it's no echo arena, mate, is it? No, Let's be no, honest. Oh yeah, no, but you know, it was good I was just sitting there seeing all like Mayweather was there, Adrian Brown and Walking Park and all like or like, like you see back in here, all the fighters and yeah, yeah. like, like the Americans, so it's good. What, what I liked uh, specifically about the trip is that you went up to Mayweather's gym, posted yourself a nice little picture up there and uh, kind of wondered where Julian Love was, you know what I mean? He, he, was, he didn't seem to be about, he wasn't working that day. And I've been meaning to try and get this across because um, my brother was with me, but he went, get a picture outside, I said, well, no, cause, I mean, no, because... It's not open, no one's in there, so I'm not going to get a picture to stand outside. If I was in there, get a picture in, but, but it's been long over. I'd, I'd had a few hours of space, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to put this picture up now and just tag him in and say, where are you? But did go, like, he was making out that I turned up when the gym wasn't open. I don't know when the gym's open or not. I just turned up yeah. two days at ten past four and a quarter to eleven. I just turned up just to beat that, go to me with his gym and see fighters and just have a look around. And I even messaged Nick Quigley. To see that he goes there and even asked him times. He said, he said to me, I think to you, maybe the fight is going at 11 o'clock and then the public at 12. And I was there at a quarter to 12, checked three doors, looked in, it's all, it's like black sheets so you can't look in. So um, I just said to him, I'm here, I was going to go and have a spa if he wanted to, do you know what I mean? That's it, one way glass. So they were all inside going, turn the music down, <laughs> he's back again, Rocky yeah. Field, turn the music down. Half the cars around the back, yeah, because it's quite <laughs> because like, it's in Chinatown. Yeah, it, it yeah. is, yeah, yeah. So, bit of banter, you see, I turned up when the gym was shut. I even Googled. Maybe I was fold up, I'll show you me the call thing. I'll show you <laughs> my calls in a minute, my, my call list, Nevada. I Googled Mayweather's gym, times it was open, and it had opened, shut to 5 pm, opened at 7 till 9, and I, I was there, but I weighed like 
just a bit of a banter on over here. <laughs> You're having a bit of banter as well with Clarissa Shields, aren't you, at the moment? That's a, that's a, that's a bit of crack as well, isn't it? Uh, well, she, uh, see, that she, I don't know if she's from Vegas all day, so through her name is a yabbering here as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you both have it. Two in, two out, end up saying, didn't they? Because she, she tweeted me ages ago saying, it hey, should do me and all that. So then I've had a bit of banter with her then since then, but... Um, Yes, so I said, yeah, I said, if she would have been, she would have flew down, because when she was tweeting me, he was firing in, saying, my little sis, this, and that, all that American slang, and that, so I was like, bring here as well, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Tag team job. Listen, in all seriousness, what is next for you? Um, well, I was I was on the, the Olympia bill with um, on the MTK show, and obviously I broke my toe. Um, but... Like people saying, few like saying, oh, you're not with any of this, but um, yeah, but like nothing's happening. Just that uh, I wanted to get, I said to Nick, and I just to fight, just like a fight where I just under fight under get in. My first one back, you know what I mean? Last year was like all like on me and all this and that. And I was like, nah, I need a little, a little fight, I have a little rest with my kids and that, and then just get a, get a fight in. 10 round, I got a win behind me, look good, get my name back out there, and then whatever's, whatever is available next, we'll go from there, and MTK, MTK come back with um, with like a two fights, maybe one fight, two fights, and then something big at the end of it, so that that, that appealed to me, do you know what I mean? Eddie gave me options to go and fight in America, and he mentioned Sims Junior Kid, and I said, get me a, let me get a fight in just to get a, a win and get my name, and I'll take all them. I'll, not Sims, because really there's not on there for me, but get me get my name back on the rankings, and of all these these world champions, want a defence, and, and they're looking for one, and I get a win, and, you know, follow me, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll take them. So you're open to America, you're open to Liverpool, you're open to London, you're open to anywhere at this moment in time, you just want to get back in that mix. Yeah, yeah even if it's there, like, this, like a show like this, you know, not on big, just for my first fight, and then, then hopefully, yeah, if, if you know, there's been a good, good talk with Jamie, with Taylor, with MTK and myself, the, what they're saying is, is like, is, is good, and I'm, I'm, I'm back buzzing now, and I'm back ready to go again, so it's... Um, so where's the injury then? Because obviously you, you, you were off. I mean, that, that Olympia show, that MTK show, was perfect, but you're off injured. I didn't go to it, because I had, I had the my little lad, um, and it, it, it was like the buzz... I, 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 went, I, I was going and then I was like oh, I'm not even fighting on it it killed me more sitting there no one should have been but yeah I, I'd stun my toe and I'd scare him all in the house closing the kitchen door locking the dogs in the kitchen and then I looked, I looked down I banged it I looked down and my little toe was bent over like, so this the case they went and seen Nigel Joe the doctor got an x-ray cracked it and then just after the show had been done I started feeling good and I started like doing little bits of running but it was eating but I was like just going you'd be alright just and then um, since then I've been ticking over slowly but now it's fully I've been in this week and um, I'm, I'm just I'm chipping away now to get my weight down and fitness and then September October is what I've been told so that's what I'm going to aim to now are you uh, are you heading over to Philly for Carl? Are you going over there? No, I'm not. No. What are you talking about? It's the Rocky Steps, man. I thought yeah. they were made for you. No, and we were talking about it before he left, saying um, the Rocky Steps, and you know with this ball, um, I, I went to Joshua fight. I went to New York, and I, I, I've been away a bit. 
a bit too much, do you know what I mean? And You've been enjoying yourself, have you, lad? A little bit too much, yeah, because I say last year was a... That was world champ money, that's what it is, isn't it? That world champ money, he's enjoying himself. It's just, yeah, because last year I was mentally a bit like Martin situation. You know, waiting for the call, waiting for this, waiting for before the Zoyga fight, and I was kids in the family, I just I left them, and she was born in September, and I was training for the Canelo, so... I just like left me kids and I was just like want to fight, I want to train, I want a shot, I want sort of any waiting for the call. So then I thought this start this year, I'll just relax a bit and enjoy it. And um, well, it's time now, they're in nursing now, right? I'm shooting down the nursing now, go on. And I'm going to take the gym now. <laughs> Has um, that helped you though, Rock, as well? Has it got you the engines burning again? You know, after Canelo, I'm sure there was a real down afterwards, you know, losing your world title, even though it was a massive fight career, best payday, I'm sure. It was down, bound to be a downtime. Sometimes it's nice to have a bit of time off and allow yourself to come back slowly into it. Yeah, and it's the first ever time in, in all my me, like, me career in, in, in a year of box that I've uh, not worried about boxing. Because when I've had a fight, I've had two weeks off and I'm thinking in them two weeks, what to eat, what to do. And then I'm back in the gym then waiting for the next one. And then waiting to get another fight in, and I was staying in this day in, in, in the whole time being pro. Yeah. And then it just felt the first January and February was like I was I was just I was eating a full breakfast, not worrying about going to a run or like worrying about weight or anything. I was just like, just like Nick, you were living like Nick. He does yeah, that every single exactly, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I was just doing that. And then it did get to time where I thought, right, no, let's let's stop sitting around here, sulking around, get back in. So I got back into the gym. Just for myself, just to train with the lads, get myself in the environment, with the lads down the stock here in the heighting gym, and I was just, just doing that. And then um, I started like months going on, then thinking, no, we need to start getting back in now, getting back fighting, because people are still like, are only like talking about me losing the hell, not like I won the world title in Germany, or, or like me create the fight that I've had, it's all like talking about losing the Canelo, and like it's doing me heading now, so I want to get back in, get back winning, and then hopefully that slate will just get. Well, part, it becomes part of the journey then, yeah, rather yeah, than the yeah. defining moment. Yeah. At the moment, to most fans, feels like the defining moment. When it yeah, isn't, no, that's just that was just a stumble in the road. Are you getting back on yeah, that, that, That's yeah. Obviously, it was a high, high level, you know, high profile stumble. Do you know what I mean? But get bigger than Canelo at Madison Square Garden, mate. High level stumble. Yeah, I like that. Oh, no, no, yeah. Like I said, like, it killed me losing, losing the title. And the, but at the same time, I've got a, you've got a, I've got a balance. Of the, like I've got a like weigh it up, you know what I mean? Look at look what it was as a world champion doing it. I lost, kill me. Against the number one pay-per-view yeah, star in the yeah. sport right now. So like do a dwell on it and like 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 let it bring me down. So no you know No mate, you go on holiday a lot. That's what you do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> enjoying it and um, I'm ready to get back in now and um, as I said there's been there's been talks like getting a couple of fights in and and um, Billy Joe saw his name got mentioned uh, not on, like, don't, don't call them out. Is, is name got mentioned? Maybe if we get a couple of fights to win, and he's looking for a defense, we'll see what happens. And so that's what got me, like, not just him, but like a big fight come at the end of it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll, uh, well, there's, there's news today. Obviously, he's split with Frank Warren. He could well sign with Matchroom anyway. So that fight oh, would be really easy to yeah, make. Yeah, so he's with MTK, and uh, I think the fight with Callum that he was talking is not happening, and Canelo's not happening, Golovkin won't be happening, and I've just got to get a win and get a win, get back in, get a win, just get the feel of like the atmosphere, yeah. the changes and everything like else. Robbie Davis here tonight, European champion on the cusp of a world title fight, doing an eight rounder tonight, yeah. just 
getting them, keeping themselves busy, keeping themselves fresh for when that opportunity yeah. comes. Just getting in there and put one on Swan's chin and just flatten them, and I'm just like, I hope they get up okay, and that, that's all like, I feel like and I want now. And then I go, right, so, come on, I'll have it with any of you then. I must take anyone on then. Rocky 2, here we go. Here we go. Listen, mate, thanks a lot for being on the show. Much appreciated. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Lenty still to come. Make sure you stick with us. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're on the location this week. We're in Liverpool. You will have seen this man on your television screens calling fights, giving his expert opinion, and I've no doubt uh, talking about uh, what is next for him. So we're going to do the exact same thing on our radio show, eh, Nick? That's yep, what we're going to do. Absolutely. Ant- Anthony Crawler, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I've enjoyed a good night of boxing there. I think we've seen a bit of everything. Really enjoyed it. That's a mean fed that you've got going on there as well, bro. Do you know what? I've had a few comments on social media. I'll take that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's normally the king of the fed on this show, you know what I mean? Oh, but you're out doing him there, lad. Do you want to pr- promote the barber? Because that's going to need. That, someone needs to get some work out of that. <laughs> it means a lot, that, mate. Uh, Planet Man Barber. Look at him on Instagram and all social media, Twitter, the lot. That's <laughs> <laughs> the paper, another haircut again. That's it. They'll all be there Monday morning now, getting their, getting their Anthony Crawler haircuts. Do it like that. Um, Listen, first of all, yep. what's next for you? Because I've seen a little bit on social media that uh, we're going to have one last rodeo, mate. We're going to... Yeah, uh, Manchester needs it, doesn't it? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, I don't know who or when just yet, but I know where. Um, I don't know, it'll be later in the year, um, hopefully later in October, or even if it's later than that. Um, but yeah, I think I've got to have one more. I, for a bit, I've, I'll be honest, for the first time I've been... Enjoyed the rest. I'm I'm always ticking over doing bits, but I've had a restaurant punching, and um, but I'm happy. I'm happy to uh, be back Is doing that? it. But I think, like you say, it will be one last one last dance. Is it for you? Is it for the fans? Is it for a bit of both? <laughs> I um, a bit of both. You owe it to Manchester. Yeah. The support you've had so over the years, you are un- unreal, and loads keep asking me. You know, and you get it all the time on social media. So I think it's it's right that I do, and and for myself as well. I can't just pretend I'm just giving, giving because a bit of it's for me as well. Um, and then I've got to know it's time to walk away. I've got to know it's time to walk away. I think I've just got to be careful that, you know, you you stay in it too long, or you have a decent win that night, then you can't think, oh, I'll have another goal, I'll have another goal, and then 18 months, two years down the line, you're still fighting. I don't want to do that. Yeah, does that make it really difficult, Anthony, when it comes to it choosing does. the opponents? Um, because you don't want to push you know over, no, you don't want to... I wanna want a meaningful fight. I'd put then, no matter what, like, no matter what the performance, then you've just got to be sure, haven't you? It's, um, I just, I think, like I said, I've, I've achieved everything that I've wanted to in this game. And I'm sure you might ask in a bit, but while Lomachenko's got those titles, I don't, I won't be getting them any, any time soon. That's just being realistic. So I think, you know, you've got to, it's time to walk away. I'll, I'll stay involved in boxing in a number of ways. And um, hopefully that'll help ease the pain. Has obviously achieving everything that you've achieved made that decision a lot easier because you yeah, see guys definitely. go on and on and on still trying to chase it. You know what I mean? Definitely. You've done everything that you needed. Yes, definitely. I mean, you see, Martin Murray, is, you know, he could have easily been a world champion, been good enough to be a world champion. And I think that still pains him. Still pains him. You know, Martin's just an example. Yeah. That's not me. Um, just singling Martin out. But there's plenty of fighters and 
And there's plenty of better fighters who haven't got that world title. That's just me being honest. Um, that has helped me a lot. That's helped me a lot. And I've, I've seen it close up how staying in boxing too long, how it affects people. So I don't want, that. I don't, I don't want to be one of those people. You just want that ring, won't, don't you? One more time. A little bit of Whitney Houston yes. rocking yeah. out one more time. A bit of million-dollar bill. That, mate, that is it, and I see it all the time. And that high you get, nothing will ever beat it. And I, I see it all the time. Never done drugs, but no drink or drug can beat that. I know it can't. So um, that's I'm going to struggle letting that go, yeah. Have you spoken to Ricky about it? Because he, he struggled, I've, didn't he? He struggled I've letting not, go of the adoration of it. I've not, but I've heard Ricky talk about it, and it just makes so much sense. I actually reference Ricky a lot when I say it. And that's what I say, I think, you know, you can imagine Ricky, how, how could he ever get that high of, yeah. not just the arena, but going over to Vegas and them turning Vegas. Taking fans with you. 30,000, exactly it's, it's mental, insane. do you know what I mean? How are you ever going to beat that? And, um, yeah, I just, and that's what I think, you've just got to learn to let it go. You've got to learn to let it go. Before we talk Lomachenko, I want to talk about your football team. How are you going to get on this year, lad? Ah, just signed a centre half, quality centre half. <laughs> could, could, I thought so realistically top four. Who knows what could happen now? Going for the league, you lot now, aren't you? We might do the treble again, the proper treble though. Yeah. In all seriousness. <laughs> yeah, in all seriousness. It's a lot of money. Uh, in all seriousness, no, that's it's, a lot it's of a money. It's a lot of money. It's it's a very lot of money, but. Listen, we think Aaron Maguire is um, is a quality quality defender. It's something that we've needed, and I I think for a number of seasons we've needed centre half. And I'm I'm happy I'm happy with him. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's just football's mental these days, and Mike. So we can't say, do you know. And we was always going to pay a bit more as well. Does he improve you? Yes, that's the question, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he does. He most certainly does. does. Yeah, I can't see how he can't do. And um, I think you know what he does, Maguire. I said I'm no football expert, but. He does what a centre half's meant to do, and that's what we've needed for a long time now. Defend, <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly that. Listen, one thing with everything that you've just been saying there about having that one last dance, maybe by the end of the year, that's a lot of away days now for you to uh, participate in, and I'm no doubt uh, young Jesse will be part of the crew now, won't he? Yeah, he Has he got his Stone Jesse, Island yet? Has he got his gear yet? He's got his Stony and his CP gear. <laughs> no, uh, do you know what? He's absolutely football mad, and uh, obviously I'll be taking him first game of the season. He's not ready for the away games just yet, although he wants to. But um, yeah, he's a uh, season ticket now, so it's great. Listen, about signing off, there's not there's not much better than taking your lad to um, to watch the football, even if it is not that good to yeah. watch. You know, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> we're only on the wind up. Um, listen, um, August thirty first, that date is now set in stone. Yeah. All to Arena. Luke Campbell's got his shot at a guy yeah. that you've been in the ring with. Yeah. What has Luke got to do to break down the matrix? Uh, it's it's so tough, and and listen, you're asking me. I've been in the room with him, but I had very, very, very little success. I think Luke, he's got the tools to cause a lot more problems than what I did. I think he'll look to keep it long, chain will have him on the move, use those height and reach advantages. And he's great at keeping it long, Luke. That's what I believe in. He'll look to bowl that shot up the middle from the backhand. But I do believe Lomachenko will catch up with him um, just after the halfway point. I just, I think a big thing depends on, and this isn't being disrespectful at all to Luke, I think Lomachenko, he'll have set himself up. You know what? I'll prove I can outbox you as well. Two Olympic gold medalists, I'll prove I can outbox you before I put it on you. If that yeah. sounds, do you know what I mean? Well, that's what like he does, that. doesn't he? Beats yeah. people at their own game he does, first. He, does. he beats people at their own games and he makes people quit. Well, we've seen it before, haven't yeah. we? Four he times. He makes yeah. people quit. And I know that won't happen with Luke, but it's, I think, it'll frustrate him and then to the point then where 
Luke's then, whether he's having to hold his feet or chase the fight a little bit more, and he'll start landing more. Lomachenko, and I believe he'll break Luke up around seven, eight rounds. That's what I believe. Is it is it heartbreaking, disheartening when you're in there with him, Anthony, just because he's it, doing things and you, yes. and you feel like you're three steps behind? It, it is a little bit. I mean, I sometimes think, you know, should have tried to just put it on him from the start, but people have tried it might, that as well. People have tried it, and, and I might, he might have caught me earlier. He might have caught me earlier. Um, it is very, when you hit him, you're hardly in arms and gloves. So if you're hitting arms and gloves sometimes, that can give you a little bit of, you know, a little bit of comfort. But with him, it's, it's very hard to do that. Um, and that's what I think he does. And that's what I was saying there. That's what I think he frustrates people that much. That's what makes him either quit or just come away from the game plan. And that's when he'll get the finish. In the division you're in, who's then the best of the rest that's going to come through and maybe challenge him? Is it a Richard Comey? Comney's certainly, you know, raw, very heavy-handed. Um, I like Comney. So, you know, we had a great win last time out. He certainly, he certainly can't half whack. Um, the division below, Gavonte Davis. That, that's there's a bit of rivalry there, and Devin Haney as well. Devin yeah. Haney could ask questions, but I, I don't believe any of them beat him. I no. don't believe any of them beat him. But those three fighters that I just mentioned are fantastic fighters. But I don't believe anyone beats um, Lomachenko at lightweight. I think. What will be Lomachenko is him chasing that greatness even more, going up in weight. Is he could still make what uh, he could still make super feather. Yeah, realistically. Do you think he'll go back down to super feather maybe for that Devonta Davis? Yeah. I think he would go down for that fight. I think he would go down for that fight just to prove. And I think um, I rate Davis very highly, and you know he's some puncher. But I think you'd see an unbelievable performance from Lomachenko if that ever happened. He'd have a point to prove. So you think? Because you've been around him, you've looked in his eyes, he might fancy maybe going up even further to 140 pounds. I'm not sure. I mean, I've heard that's the, that's the limit. So who knows? Who knows if it's a 135? But there again, if I'm asking you boys, do you know there's Ramirez? Yeah. You'd have to give him a good chance against Ramirez, wouldn't you? Progress, Josh Taylor. Progress, there's some names a, up yeah, there. There's like, some there's names. Some Fantastic fighters as well. Mm. I say Progress Taylor. That's a fighter. I can't, yeah. Cannot wait for the fight between them two. But you'd have to give Lomachenko a great chance with, with either of them, wouldn't you? Of course. So, um, used to know he might he might go for that um, upper, upper weight again for that fourth fourth title. Frightening. Absolutely frightening. Listen, we're going to let you get off. Um, we'll look forward to the announcement. When are you going to announce it? When we're going to announce it? Honestly, mate, I, I have no idea, but... I will let you guys know. I promise that. <laughs> I have no idea. But um, have you actually spoke to Eddie about putting it in the calendar, or we still no? No. Um, he's mentioned. He asked me the other day. Eddie asked me the other day about you know what my plans was about having another one, and I said yes. You know, definitely. I've just I've been having a little bit of physio. The injuries are you know like very old now, so we'll start we'll start training a bit. We'll start training up a little bit over the next week. Pre Christmas, just a little pre Christmas run. That'd be a nice one, that yeah, wouldn't it? Week before it. Christmas, please. Yes. That's, that's my it. Christmas present sorted <laughs> off my wife anyway. That's, that's the plan. Sorted. Listen, all the best week, mate. Thank, Thank you. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night. There's one more bit left. Do stick with us. This is TalkSport. Judging hands. Reaching out to Lord. Judging me. Judging.
Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. It's near enough the end of the programme, and as you can hear, we have uh, decided to come away from ringside. We are now in the changing room uh, of a man who's just put in a sensational performance. Of the new WBO Intercontinental <laughs> Champion, to be precise. And stolen the night here at the Exhibition Centre in Liverpool, because we're on location. We came to see Anthony Fowler, and he most certainly did not let us down. And I'll tell you what I like about you, Ant, right? You haven't cleaned yourself up, son. I like it. You've gone for full warrior mode for the show. You've got you've left a little bit of claret on the side of your face, eh? Good lad. Got a good, got a good picture. Make, make me look tough. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding performances, um, because obviously that comes off your f- uh, your first professional loss going in tonight. Talk to me about the emotions and the and the uh, and the thought process walking to the uh, walking to the ring tonight and the pressure that you're under to put in a performance and get a victory. Well, I'll be honest, mate, me, after my last performance for the first time in my career, I doubted myself. I, I, told, I told my best mate, Mark, I was on a walk. I've lived away from home for nine years for my career. I've lived down Sheffield, now I'm in Doncaster with Jane McDonnell. And, like, it's an hard life, mate. I'm, I'm away all week on my own in a little, little don't want to swear, but a little dump. And um, I was on a walk, and, and I always finish training overnight. I go for walks just to keep my weight down and... Um, just walking on my own, I, I walk half an hour overnight and it's just like quite sad. And I thought, you know what? I've done, I've done this my whole life, mate. Like I started to like doubt whether like is the most life in boxing for the first time because I was on a low point in my life and um because I just didn't think for a second that I could have lost a Scott. But when I had time to reflect on it, best thing I did was get back in the gym and then start righting the wrongs because I know exactly what I went wrong. There was a few things that went wrong and um main thing was my mindset. Second was my nutrition. Like I followed like a, like a, like a clan. I followed Jim McDonald's nutrition pro- program for that Scott fight. <laughs> That's a bad idea. We know how he <laughs> oh eats. What are you doing, man? But I thought that because I'm obviously a big lad. I thought I get down low as I can. But I ended up getting re- refueling to one six three. And I remember I got weighed after the f- before the venue like I always do. And I said to me mate Mark, I'm one six three, you know. And he was like, Oh, you'll be alright. And then I think the second half of the fight, my energy level was a bit lower than normal because like tonight I was one seventy. That extra seven pounds, and tonight I felt fresh. I could have done, without being bigger, I could have done the five rounds, easy, because I was fresh, and I still carried that power, like I ate him the last two rounds, and I, I could have done another few rounds. I wasn't tired at all, whereas I reckon that seven pound extra that I had on me, and plus the mindset, I was, I was prepared for ten rounds. I know that Brian's no pushover. He's been round, he's, he was hungry for tonight. He, he's fighting for his kids, do you know what I mean? I knew he, had, I knew he was up for it. So I knew it was, he wasn't going away easy. I knew if I caught him, I could knock him out, but I didn't want to look for it. And I had my mindset on 10 rounds where, against Scott, I just thought about being big-headed. It was a mismatch. Five rounds, it'd be over. Because not me being big-headed, I'd watched him in the past fight and he was poor. So I just didn't think that he could raise his game. But more for me, respect to Scott, because that night he was a man possessed. He took everything I had. And he come back and the last round, won him the fight. But... um. I want to fight him over 12 rounds now. I want to see... I want to go in the ring, fully focused, know what to be expecting. If he beat me again, mate, fair play. But next fight, mate, I'm going to drag him to hell. Believe me. Well, fair play for, for admitting that. And obviously, the learns are most certainly there because after three minutes, I turned around to you and I went, this is the sharpest I've ever seen him. Yep. The jab was out. Not ones, twos, even tripling up the jab. It was absolutely sensational at times, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. He was outstanding. And I think it was more than that as well. It was very much controlled performance. You know, even deep in the fight, there was one stage you rocked Brian up against the ropes and he was, and he, and he looked like he was there to be hit. But you just step forward, you jab to the body and you step back out again, Anthony. A lot more patient than what we've seen during the Scott Fitzgerald fight. Yeah, well, against Scott, I had, one, I had one intention and that was to knock him out. I promise you now, which might sound even more pathetic, before that fight, 
someone said to me, you beat him on points, 95, 94, like he beat me. I would have said, no, I want to knock him out. I want to talk a points win. I wanted to knock him out, which is, you look back, I just think, what was I thinking? Was I that much deluded that I was... It's more, um, my first nine fights, I promise you, I didn't break a sweat. Not one person could live with me. Everyone over here crumbled. I go straight a little bit, you start thinking you're invincible, and I've always been realistic, but the fight before, Scott, I boxed a lad, you boxed two, two reigning world champions, and they both had more problems with them than me. So I was thinking, if I'm getting doing better than world champions, am I world class? And you start like thinking you're mm. invincible. So I just thought, Scott's struggling at area title level. I'm beating kids who've been world champions. I thought it was a mismatch where Scott raised his game that high. I brought my game down because I thought it'd be easy and it ended up being a proper even fight. And he, he put that shot at the last round and respects him for that. Yeah, but you made a statement tonight against Brian Rose. And let's not mistake that Brian Rose was... Scott Fitzgerald's reward for beating you. Scott Fitzgerald's injury allowed you to step in for that reward fight, if you like, with a world, former world title contender in Brian Rose. And you're the one that's got the dominant performance and got the victory. So you've got to feel like now you've closed the door on Scott Fitzgerald and you're kind of ahead of him. I don't think I am, though. No. I just feel as though that I need to um, I need to beat him just for my own sanity. Or even just get the rematch and just know that the best me is in there with him. Because I'm just... I've been getting in bed and just kicking myself like... What was I thinking? Why did I think I could just go to the ring and just load up and knock him out? Because I never thought they'd go past five rounds. I never for one second. I even remember before the warm-up, walk out to the, the ring, Dave would tell you, Dave went to me, switch on now. And I just said, Dave, relax, I want to school him. I just I'd ask Dave, Dave would tell you, because Dave just shook his head. But I just didn't fit. <laughs> when you look back, I just like, slapped myself. and thinking, what was you thinking? But he'd done the right thing. and get, like He said something about my girlfriend. He, he really rattled me up to the point where... I wanted to kill him, and my girlfriend knows that. And like, I, I didn't. It was, it was emotion was involved, and I always said, "I'm the kind of boxer who takes a young boxer. Don't look for it; it'll come." Whereas I went out looking for it, like a fool. Got to practice what you preach. But that fight and that experience is a wonderful thing to learn from. Tonight, you've proved that you learn from it, and performances like that. I don't think we're too no. far away from seeing that fight again, are we? No, not at all. But also, it was in the ninth and tenth round there without Scott Fitzgerald. You go to war with Brian Rose, which is what he wants. But in the ninth and tenth day, you didn't go to war with Brian Rose. You stepped off and you, you were quite happy to have your back against the ropes. And then when you did catch him with that big right in the, in the final round and he was wobbling all mm. over the place, you didn't jump on him. You, you picked a couple of shots and then you mm. stepped off again. You wouldn't have done that prior to oh, Scott Fitzgerald. No. To be honest, mate, he would have beat me. The mantis I had before the Fitzgerald fight, I wouldn't have had it against Brian, but if I did, he would have, he would have just outboxed me and he's a crafty customer. He, had a good job. He's got, he's got one of them jabs that you just flick it. There's nothing in them, but you think just like, it frustrates you a bit. Mm. Like he never once like hit me with nothing where I got the respect. Like, it never hit me once, but it's the frustrating shots, like just pinging shots. And um, an old me would have lost me head. But lucky enough, I've got one of the most experienced po- coaches in the game, and um, I'm scared of him. So um, <laughs> I just had to stay, stick to a game plan. And um, when I ate him the last round, I know I probably could have got him out of there, but I just fought. Let's just get the win, mate. Let's just sit behind the jab, keep popping it. And I knew I was like five rounds up, so I thought, let's just get, let's just, let's just go on with the win and the belt. Cause the belt, the belt to me, mate. I'm so proud of myself. Cause when I was a young kid, these are the nights I dream of. And like people think I fell here. It took me 17 years to get here. Like 17 years of living like a monk. Like I just, I haven't got much of a social life. I just, I train twice a day. I don't eat nothing bad. I don't go out weekends. I'm in bed. I'm in bed for 10 o'clock. Saturday nights, do you know what I mean? So I sacrifice a lot. 
and I'm just very proud of myself. Well worth it, mate. Now listen, obviously uh, your missus is in the uh, dressing room right now. She's obviously waiting for a night out here, Sunshine. So where are we going tonight? Is it Pop World? Is that what you're treating her to? Is that where you're taking her? No, I mean, I mean, that long. I forgot where to go. <laughs> You've got to have some rest and downtime. I know the boys are obviously off to LA. Is it next week? They've yeah. just been in Dubai. You've missed time this. You could be in LA next yeah. week doing a bit of sparring, couldn't you? I was half going to go, but um, with the stitches, and I, I just need a rest. I mean, I've got to be... Dave, I said to Dave, I'll... Go over, just do a little few four-round spars, but... There's no way you're going to do a little four-round spar. <laughs> you're going to get, like... t- you're going to tear it up. That's what you're going to do. You need to stay away from it, mate, is what you need to do, don't you? No, I know. I'm gonna, if you know where I might go, I've been making girlfriend wants to go to the leagues for about... been promised for five years. And uh, she wants to go to the leagues with me little dog, so I'll probably go to the leagues and just switch off. Have a little bit of champagne in the hot. And no, you won't. You won't <laughs> switch off. This is you, nonsense. You, you, this is not. This is the, exactly. You're telling us lies on the radio. <laughs> Stop it. You'll be in the gym whilst you're in the lakes. Probably what Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. Uh, you know what, mate? I am. I'm a freak. You know, like uh, my girlfriend and say, "We're on holiday," and I'm like, "She wants to go with the pool, get a cocktail." I'm like. She's just a little loud in the gym, babe, and I'll be done. She must, she must just think. She actually comes with me now. She's just gave up now and comes to the gym with me. Does she hold the pads? Have you got her on that yet? Have you got her on the pads? No, not, not as bad as Scott Quigg. I, I know he does that. <laughs> Listen, well done. Superb stuff. Uh, Nick, we are done for tonight, yeah. mate. Great show nice. here in Liverpool. Fantastic uh, programme. We've enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. If you've missed any part of the show, every man and his dog has been on the show. You're more than welcome to download it. It's available on the TalkSport website and you can get it uh, via iTunes as well. Uh, big one uh, next week as we start to build up towards uh, Anthony Yard taking on Kovalev, don't we? Um, his, uh, his deepest, darkest Russia. Uh, Lions in the camp. Lions in the camp. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. So make sure you come back and join us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 